0: Metal cough hit, hit.
1: we are live on youtube and recording straight into your podcasty little ears on this tuesday this it's giving tuesday john it's good to have everybody good to see everybody good to see you
2: yeah good to, good to be seen guys it's good to be seen Giving Tuesday is a big deal, John. That
1: is a, a big fundraising deal. Help people in need. And uh, you can do that with our show. Uh, we have launched a fundraising campaign with No Kid Hungry. It is an awesome, awesome, awesome charity. We hope you will contribute. Whatever you can helps in the link of the YouTube, in the link on the um, podcast page, or just right now with your, with your old thummy thumbs. Go to nokidhungry.org/slash ham no slash ham. And um, let's make, let's, let's make something happen here because uh, hunger is a major problem for uh, about one of six kids at risk of going hungry in the U S and we
2: can't have that. And we got to try and help. Yep. No kid hungry.org slash ham. Uh, we're, we're getting, we're, we're, we're approaching 18 G's. We're trying to get to 25. Keep hammering this home. Anything you can do will help. Uh, all tax deductible as well. So, uh, nokidhungry.org slash ham. We are trying to feed children, guy. We are trying to impact this world in a positive way. And, you know, you can't, it just, if it doesn't hurt your heart thinking about the the millions of kids in this country, let alone the world that aren't eating, let alone this state, you know, I, I guess we got people listening all over the country, but state of California, I mean, we got some financial issues here. We need to help some yeah. people out. And so, uh, nokidhungry.org slash ham.
1: NoKidHungry.org slash ham. They work with schools. They work with uh, local nonprofits. They work with uh, local, I like this word, John, municipalities. And uh, what they do is they improve programs. They uh, make sure that healthy kids need the food they need to thrive. And they make sure that families have access to meals when they need to go find meals for their children. Which is, yeah. I mean, what, what, what better cause is there? So a dollar can provide up to 10 meals. So that means... 50 bucks can provide up to 500 meals. Um, We want to raise, it's a lofty goal. We want to raise 25,000 and we need, 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 need your help to get there. So on this day, giving Tuesday on any day between now and the end of the year, I know this is a time of year where a lot of people have, you know, you got a lot of financial commitments to a lot of different places, holidays, travel, family, you know, fill in the fridge for whatever you got going on and all that kind of stuff. But if you can find any way to cut a little out for nokidhungry.org, go to nokidhungry.org slash ham. And uh, yeah, that is tax deductible.
2: I realized we could gonna show my numbers. Yes, but you just showed your credit card on the but on the street. on on the front, it just says my you know, the the new cards. Gotcha. So you gotcha. just the numbers are on the back. Gotcha. Boop,
1: boop. I was just able to QR code that bad boy through the screen. I got middle cost access
2: now. Yeah, oh yeah, you gotta be careful with that crap.
1: <laughs> uh dot org slash am. Please, please, please. Whatever you can do, go do whatever you can do. And it's really appreciated. Okay. Yeah. Uh, All right. The other thing, I feel like, again, sometimes I feel like I'm a principal. Yeah.
2: What? I mean, we need, I don't know if you're going to hammer this home, but we need shave it or save it pictures. Yes. So you have to DM us or you can email us at Guy Haberman or at, or I guess not at, jmiddle75 at Gmail, Guy Haberman at Gmail, email us pictures, DM us the pictures. Probably sometimes in the DMs it can get lost a little easier, but we'll find it in the DMs. Uh, Probably a little harder to tweet at us uh, so probably Instagram DM us or email us. My email's on, you know, I've, is yours on your uh, Twitter as well. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So open book here. Need some pictures. What One comment pictures. on YouTube was like, you guys are so sophomoric. And I started thinking, it's like, sophomoric, fucking kids don't lose their hair in high school, right? What are you talking about? No, this is a they're, they're, real they're, world issue.
1: Were well, they respond I they're we were being childish?
2: Yeah. This guy was a mass, uh, you know, kind of an angry. I, I looked at his history of comments, so he fit the bill of kind of a, you know. Well, well, yeah, you know, I'm pro. I pro only pro. come to YouTube
1: for the most serious content. Yeah. Why are you not taking this thing where you evaluate people's hairlines more seriously? So it's again, like people nine lose their hair. videos. Go watch
2: another video. I don't know. You click the video. I know. We're, we're, and we're living proof. One of us has great hair. The other is completely bald. So uh, we're just trying to help people out. I've been there. Yeah you haven't but uh, i've I seen don't.
1: i watched you go through it, john firsthand i know you know Not i was easy. spotting you money for tcby because you were spending so much money on your hair restoration products
2: i know it was expensive still is
1: <laughs> you know still yeah is. but we need you we we've been we've we've we're, uh, we've been helping people <laughs> well, maybe i don't <laughs> know it depends if they take our advice but uh you're right we do need uh we need to do guy. Need, yeah need some pictures we need some pictures. So send us some pictures, shave it or save it, um, preferably yourself. But, you know, if you got somebody else who you know, need some help in their life, maybe we could launch an intervention. Maybe yeah. that's a side business we could launch. You pay us for a hair interventions for somebody you love.
2: Yeah, and then if you don't, if you're going to sh- keep it, shave it, or if you're going to save it, then maybe Haberman, you can get on his payment plan with his barber in the city.
1: Yeah, deadline's coming up for that decision, but <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh all right, John. Let's talk Tax
2: the- deductible or no? Haircuts? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think it's a business expense. Even though it kind of is, right? You get your haircut for television Yeah, but like you
1: can't, you can't um I remember you like you can't deduct uh, you know, ties you buy or sport coats or it's kind of
2: bullshit, isn't it?
1: Yeah, because I wouldn't buy a tie anywhere.
2: No, I wouldn't either.
1: John, we're sponsored by Tito's handmade. Vodka. The number one vodka in America. Tito's is uh, not only a great vodka, John, it's a great company. Our No Kid Hungry campaign, Tito's has donated $5,000 to our No Kid Hungry campaign, which we appreciate from them. By the way, Puesto donated $2,000 to that campaign as well. So, Tito's Handmade Vodka. It's the holiday season. It's time to be merry and cheery and responsible. Do it with Tito's Handmade Vodka.
2: Yep. Tito's Go get yourself a uh, a bottle at your local. I mean, CVS. I don't. You maybe go to you know uh, Safeway, Bevmo, literally. wherever you go. Nugget, uh, Albertsons. They still exist. Get yourself a bottle. Share it with your friends. Any and you guys know the drill. If you are out drinking, send us pictures of your Tito's wherever you are. At home watching games with your buddies, at dinner having a cocktail with your girlfriend or your wife, uh, on, on vacation. You do it. We're there. Love it.
1: How about the guy that sent us a photo from, uh, was he in Cabo the other day? Did you see that photo? Somebody yeah, sent us I mean, their John can, Daly People Cabo. are
2: living. Guy. <laughs> people are living. You ever been to Cabo? I've never been to Cabo. Me have I've I. never been to Cabo. Oh, I've seen a lot of pictures. It looks pretty cool, though.
1: Albertsons own Safeway now, apparently. Tito's Handmade Vodka, John, the original craft vodka in America. Tito beveraged himself built his own distillery, couldn't get investors. So he racked up 19 credit cards, acquired the first legal distillery in Texas, started pouring for free at fundraisers. It is uh, deep in, in, um, in Tito's blood, John. Uh, being a part of the community. They're a bar- great part of the community. They can be a great part of whatever party you're having or whatever hangout you're having. Distilled in yep. bottle in Austin, Texas. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. When you belly up to the bar, there's only one order. Tito's and... John Daly with... John Daly with... Tito's, 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 Tito's. Yep.
2: Tulum. I've always wanted to go to Tulum. Tulum. I see, a, lo- T- see a lot of chicks hot. I follow on the uh, on the old Instagram. It just seems like a lot of... Cool people end up in Tulum. A lot of Tulum's girls. been hot. Yeah. Uh, we are
1: also sponsored by mybookie.ag, promo code Hammer the number one, where we got to find a lock of the week. We have won 11 or 12. That's one way of saying it. You could also say we'd won 11 in a row and lost last week with our lock. We had BYU uh, to cover seven against USC. We also had a little parlay on the side with the Niners uh, over, the Steelers in four points, and... Colts, Colts. So that did not hit either. But uh, we're back, undeterred. We started with one hundred and fifty a piece, three hundred bucks. We are uh, we almost got to five thousand. Now we're back down to what about forty three? Where are we in the uh, yeah forty
2: three
1: fifty, forty three fifty? So um, bookie promo code ham one will there match that deposit up to a thousand bucks? You can also decline the bonus because if you accept the bonus, you do have to just be aware you have to bet the full amount before you can withdraw funds. But either way, let them know we sent you with code ham one. And uh, we got some decisions to make. Did you do the Utah State game last week? Utah State, New Mexico.
2: What was the final score there? Ooh,
1: I mean, the last uh, quarter, probably not as locked in on the scoring. It was like uh, maybe uh, 30-something to 10, something you, like that, Thirty seven. So to 7.
2: So Utah State kicked their ass, right?
1: Yeah. Yep.
2: So Utah State's not bad? Utah State's not
1: bad. but uh, Blake State. Anderson, who's their coach from Arkansas State, the only first-year coach to win nine games this year.
2: Good San Diego State's, they, San they State's a, pretty good. Okay, so plus six. You like Utah State plus six because the Mountain well, the West qu- game is pl-
1: is pl- who did Utah State's quarterback got? I mean, her kinda. If the game was close, he probably would have stayed in. But I don't know what his situation okay.
2: is. Okay, pretend I, I'm not talking. I never not touching San Diego State, Utah State. Then okay, because you did. You texted me today, and it kind of got my juices flowing. Uh, the Trojans mm-hmm. are playing the California Golden Bears. That's right. In uh, Memorial Stadium, probably not going to be a great crowd, but Lincoln Riley, I would guess, is going to be there, right on the sideline watching the team. Uh, I was I was wondering about that. I, my first reaction was Lincoln's definitely going to
1: be there. So he's not going to fly in the team plane, right? That'd be kind of awkward. Or, or be, would weird, be, awkward? be weird. Be weird. So would he, he? have to fly like him and the like come in a separate jet? I I'm not positive he's gonna be there.
2: Well, he could hit you know Fulsom fulsome, to, fulsome De LaSalle
1: Friday, Friday night,
2: night come up here to recruit. Boom. Good, good call. I you know you said USC plus four. Yeah. Cal has nothing to play for. They just got curb stomped by Chip Kelly. USC doesn't necessarily either. But if Lincoln's standing there, you fucking want to earn well, your keep.
1: Yeah, so I can't be- – I'm a little surprised it's plus four. Is it plus 155 USC to win? Is that what you have? Oh, I guess I can look. I got it right here. That's
2: what I see, guy. Plus yeah. so
1: 155. My theory when I texted you is Link I, – I. what happened was I saw Lincoln say something about like going to practice. So I could only – SC might have the best week of practice it's had all year because if Lincoln's out there evaluating these guys.
2: Well, and if you're, what, if you're an assistant coach, you're going to try to keep your job, right? Coach your ass off when he's staring at you, coaching positions. Get out! Absolutely. Keep your steps moving. Hands up. You know, come on, drive, drive, drive. (laughs) Fast, physical, fanatical.
1: So I mean, yeah, man. I I Cal two weeks ago, when this when this game got rescheduled three weeks ago, it was because Cal had to Cal wanted badly to play it. They needed to win last week for this game to then matter so they could become bowl eligible. That's out now. Now, college football is kind of bananas. NSC last week, I mean.
2: But I actually give them credit. They fought BYU, right? I
1: do, too. So I like that game.
2: Because part of it is there's not a lot of, and I don't, from an NFL big, standpoint A lot of big today, spreads, guy, that I I noticed.
1: Minnesota minus seven at Detroit.
2: No. I'm not into these big minus double-digit points. How about Houston plus nine at home against the Colts? We're gonna bet on the Texans. <laughs> <laughs> They've been value
1: all year. Um Chargers plus three at the Bengals.
2: I just don't really trust Brad Staley clock. right now. Yeah. I that's know. risky.
1: Bram's minus thirteen at home.
2: I mean do you trust them right now?
1: No, I don't trust, but I, there's I don't who do I trust?
2: What's the Chiefs? Uh, I mean minus ten. You get a Broncos
1: Sunday night against Denver. Oh yeah, they got flexed. I don't have a Niners line here. I know it's not up. Huh. Is no, Russ going to be out or something? It's a little weird. Keep your fingers crossed.
2: <laughs> uh, Are we I, sure Gino... Who's there? Is Gino still their backup? Yeah, Gino's their backup. I, I, I'm not opposed, guy, to just going USC money line at Cal. USC money line. Yeah. Uh, no, I think
1: that, to me, the bet would be money line, even though the points is value. But if it's plus one fifty five,
2: I mean five hundred pay seven seventy five. We'd be right back in the mix, guys. We're we'd in be the like, mix right
1: now. We should I know. do. We're doing. What we we're doing. Right. We're
2: doing good. Yeah. I, I think yeah. this is a great
1: value bet. I do too. The Lincoln Riley
2: effect. It's weird because you have all these games that are for the conferences, and then on my bookie it says right in. <laughs> it's an absolute meaningless game that I will care more about than all the other games. Yeah, wh- what is that about? Well, because I was thinking like Michigan, Ohio. Let's just say Michigan, you see Harbaugh's giving all of his money. He's going to hit, he could hit $2 million of bonuses in two weeks. But, like, are they just going to beat this team 30 to 10? Or is this game just a little closer and they win it by 10 and they still don't cover, you know? Because Iowa, to me, is like the poor man's version of what Harbaugh has built. Like, do you trust Michigan minus 10 and a half? You know, I don't trust Michigan. Period. I don't at, trust at, at Harbaugh. Indy, I think right. That game's at the Cole Mutual, Stadium, yeah. usually.
1: But I do think they're much better. Like to me, Iowa, the physicality of Michigan's run game. I just don't think Iowa can hang with that. But I mean, I Maybe don't. You know, I think Jim is a bit of a roller coaster. But I just think his team is really solid right now.
2: Then so win that the, game they won last week the way they won it. No, I know uh, Georgia Alabama. I don't think this Alabama team is as good as years past, but you're getting Nick Saban SEC championship game, almost getting a touchdown. It's pretty crazy. Now that game, they might lose by you know twenty eight to ten, but Saban plus six and a half against Kirby, who he owns. I don't love mm-hmm. that though. To me, that's more of a stay away. I'm placing the bet USC. All right, do it money line. We just bet on a team that has no coach against another <laughs> team that might not even have. Who even knows?
1: A game that's being—it's the only regular season game being played this week. <laughs> now you can say there's something on the line in every game this weekend—championship games and the Ham
2: Lock. Can the Trojans make a bowl game or no? Uh, no. <laughs> that's pretty crazy. I guess. Yeah. Did they almost want that a little bit though when they fired Clay just to just to bottom out a little? I guess in college, like you don't need to bottom out. You don't get draft picks, right? I don't think so. I don't think you want that, no. Were they hoping to Because be at minimum, you're like... Yeah, because at, mi- at minimum, you... You know, empty stadiums bad for business. Well, you see Lincoln pointing at that thing yesterday.
1: Did you see the people collecting trash in the background at yeah, one point? Was, did you see I was that? Laughing. Well, did at somebody, first I thought it was a guy running stairs. I did too, which would have been a good move. If you're yeah. like, who is that? Oh, it's Jackson Dart running <laughs> stairs. Oh, did you guys... There's a press conference over there. I didn't know. Hello me. It's over
2: here running stairs. But uh did why somebody Jack, get on the why phone. Why does Jackson Dart paint his face like that?
1: I've seen a few guys do that. Like the one side, like it's uh
2: Braveheart. Braveheart or something. <laughs> he I I mean, I think Link is just gonna roll with that guy, right?
1: Uh yeah, I think so. Yeah, he will be fine. He's a good player. He might have he might have just hit the jackpot. Big time. Jackson Dart. You know, a lot of those guys, the guys that will stick around my, I mean, this has been, I've, I've made some, I've had some takes the last couple of days, some statements about college football and Lincoln Riley at SC and I'm not going to, I don't want to say, I don't want to be hyperbolic. I think about it before I say it. So I'm not saying it's the craziest or anything like that, but this has been banana, like the, this Sunday, Monday, Tuesday after the college football regular season has been nuts. I mean, Brian Kelly just left Notre Dame while they're still kind of in the CFP race kinda. to go coach LSU. No, yeah, kind of. You're right, kind of to go coach LSU. I'm still reeling
2: for Oklahoma and SC on the Lincoln Riley thing. I mean, it's would Brian LSU. Kelly, would Brian Kelly have left if they had beat Cincinnati and they were undefeated right now and in the top four? I mean, they I gave don't him think 95 can, million dollars, but. He did yeah, it in mean, Cincinnati if, once upon a time. They were undefeated and going to a BCS game. A little different. He would have left.
1: I mean, but I, if he would have – I mean, it depends. Like, did he think his team could win a CFP game?
2: Well, I mean, history would say no. <laughs> so, yeah. Especially if, <laughs> if, if they're going to play Georgia close. or something yeah. like
1: that. How, how did they play Georgia – remember they played a Georgia – was that two years ago
2: they played at Georgia – In a great game. Georgia went to Notre Dame and beat them. Yeah. They just don't match up that well against the SEC because they don't have the pass rushers, and they don't have always the skill guys, even though they sneaky put more wide receivers in the league than you think, Uh, and they just haven't been dynamic enough on offense. But they have been – my fundamental philosophy on coaching, and I've – I think the West I'll pivot a little bit. I do think it's easier to be an outsider over here as long as your personality and just like you kind of can mesh with the people. Cause I do think you're ultimately going to be recruiting the majority of California kids. Like Pete crushed it in Southern and Northern California, the best players in the most fruitful and the central Valley, right? The best players in California, Pete landed, but when he was humming, he also landed the guys in the outside states. I, I am a big believer that your personality and where you're from in college does matter. And, and Brian Kelly isn't just an outsider to the South. like He's a lifetime Northeasterner, born in Massachusetts, coached in Michigan at, at Grand Valley State, then went to Central Michigan, and then went to Cincinnati, and then went to Notre Dame. Like That is not SEC territory. And yeah. we had a buddy that was a good coach who was not losing at Florida and Jim McElwain is not a Southern guy, even though he won national championships or maybe just won one at Alabama. Like he was Nick Saban's first offensive coordinator that won a national championship. And it was a really big deal and it got him a head coaching job, but he got that Florida job and he was an outsider from the jump. He went to SEC championship games and they fucking hated him. Like they, and he is a nicer guy than this guy, you know, you know, just in dealing with random people. LSU is going to be better, right? It just, in terms of like, he's going to inherit better players than I think Mac inherited, but I don't know, man. I don't love like to me, Lincoln, he'll be okay. Right. In California. Yeah. It's a weird fit. The Brian Kelly thing, but I admire both of them leaving. Cause I think both of them did not have to leave. They had cushy, sweet jobs. And both of them put their kind of nuts on the table for national championships, right? Both of them made the move. I think mm. I can win a national championship here. Not sure I can do it here. Yeah. Actually, we know, right? Notre Dame and Oklahoma, I don't think, as currently constructed, you can win national championships.
1: It'd be one thing if they hadn't made the playoff yet, but they've made the playoff multiple times, and and it, 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 it they've been I think not co- on the I think, same level. I think, think the combi- I think
2: combined, the two of them have made the playoffs five or six times. Because Lincoln's made well, three, three Yeah. Kelly's been there at minimum multiple times. Uh, yeah. Has he been there multiple times? I guess he played Alabama pre playoff, huh? Got his ass kicked. BK? Yeah. Remember that with like Manti Tail? And they got oh, Alabama hey, man, beat the That's shit right. out of him?
1: Hey, Manti. That's
2: right. <laughs> yeah. But that was he's was definitely, weird. He has, he's definitely made the playoffs once, right? Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. I, I think I thought it was twice. <clears throat> Maybe he has twice. Yeah. I mean they've had four straight ten win seasons in Notre Dame. I mean this the Lincoln thing is.
1: We talked about it the other day. I Kalen DeBoer got hired at Washington. John. I think uh, I watched his press conference today. I think he's going to do a really good job. Uh, people, you you dubbed a couple. I saw a buddy who's was a Washington fan text to me. He's like, uh, I don't like the hire. I said, Did you like Jimmy Lake? He said, Yeah. So well, if you like Jimmy Lake, you can't be mad about this not having enough sizzle because the Jimmy Lake hire had plenty of sizzle. A ton of sizzle, and what did they get you? I think they just hired a really good football coach. Um, I, you know, he I, used Fresno State
2: a little bit, but you know, it is what it is. I don't know, did he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, just because you left, you used them. Use maybe used as strong, and again, I'm biased on this one. He had one good year, you know, one good year.
1: But he was good as as Indiana's offensive coordinator, and he was good as Fresno State's offensive coordinator, and Tedford vouched for him. But
2: I would say historically, and times have changed now, historically, you know, smaller schools, you had to build up a couple good years, right? A couple nine, ten win seasons. He did not win the conference. He did not even win his division. Mm. I am pro this guy, even though I've never met him or know much about him, really. But, you know, a lot of guys that have had one-hit wonders, your one-hit wonder typically has to be like, 11 and one win your con like he didn't. Yeah. Guy, he's not in the Mountain West championship game. I know. I'm just playing I devil's know. advocate here. Yeah. Like you I, know, I understand. I, 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 I understand.
1: I think he's, I think he qualifies as a guy that's been successful everywhere he's been and he hasn't been at Fresno that long, but it does feel in some ways like he's been there a while because he was there as an offensive coordinator and they won. I think he's, I think he's going to be really solid. I think it's going to be good. Now, the recruiting is going to be the question for me. I think the football aspect is, but that's, you know, that's everybody's question.
2: And again, this is my pushback a little bit on when people ask me about DeBoer. He did inherit probably one of the more loaded non-Power 5 teams in the country, correct? I mean, they had an NFL quarterback. They had yeah. loaded skill guy. sure. Why? Because Jeff Tedford's one of the greatest recruiters the West Coast has ever seen. <laughs> I was yep. talking to someone. And they, got cousin, J- and they
1: got Jake Hayner, specifically, who was a yeah, Tedford.
2: What Tedford brought. But I was just like talking to my cousin Nick yesterday, who played football at UCLA Kind of right in the beginning of the Pete Carroll era. And like Jeff Tedford, you know, some of the like Chris Peterson guys, kind of like that overachiever, Will Cox, you know, they just they go for a Kellen Moore type guy. We were laughing, like Jeff Tedford is the opposite of wants overachievers, right? He wants five star blue chip, absolute ass kicking NFL futures players. Yeah. And, you know, that is it did Sark could coach but Sark could recruit when he was there because when Pete got there he did inherit a roster full of NFL players. And it'll be interesting to see like is he going to inherit a pretty good roster at Washington? I think there's some talent there. Now I I think they might, you know,
1: this was a ro- one of the reason people thought Washington was going to be good was that they were going to they were bringing guys back who were coming back, you know, and guys like, "We're coming back for one more year." It's like, okay, yeah. But they brought a lot of people back. That's why they were the sur- uh, Phil Steele had him as his surprise team of the year. Didn't happen. But part of it was their offensive line was coming back. They had corners coming back. So uh, I think they're going to lose some guys, but I'm not sure. was exactly their problem. Sure their offense won. was just inept. Yeah, all over the place. They had the number one pass defense in the nation. Number one okay. pass defense, but they're, cor- they're going to lose at least one of those corners. So.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting. But this it's college. Riley, football, baby. Fucking- I know. It's crazy.
1: I mean, who. Is USC going to be able to offload his house that they bought? And is that thing real? The story that they bought both his Norman homes for yeah. five hundred thousand over asking. Here is what, what doesn't make sense about that that person's story. Because that, did that person say they bought him a six million dollar house in LA? Well, they're, they're two separate transactions. Right, right. Had, but that person said they that person also said they bought him a USC bought him a six million dollar house. In they
2: were going to purchase his house in LA. Yeah, gotcha. Which to me.
1: I don't know if the $6 million house is big enough for his family coming from Norman. He might need like a
2: $10 million house. So it might was be on, one of his two I, I, homes. I was on a text thread thinking like that. That sounds good in theory, but you would want... To me, that number should have been 10. I think what happened is he had just built a 12,000-square-foot monstrosity in Norman, Oklahoma. Yeah. There is no market for that. No, like that's
1: It's, it's just know. the next football <laughs> coach is the market for that.
2: Yeah, and his wife doesn't like it. They are not able to sell it. So USC... To me what's funny is everyone freaked out like i looked at like that's not to these big institutions money's all relative that's nothing and to me the six million dollar house there is a chance guy that it is just some huge booster who's a real estate guy owns a bunch of house the house is actually a 10 million dollar home hey i'll I'll sell it to this usc club for six and fucking take it
1: exactly i think people i think athletics like there are a lot of homes that are owned and used and at all levels of athletics. I promise <laughs> you it's not the only house SC owns No, or somebody who helps SC owns. So 6 million, I was on um, Lindsay Rhodes, remember from NFL network. She's a USC alum. I was on her podcast yesterday and I was DMing her cause I said, what a $6 million house. Like, well I asked, where's he going to live? She's like, well, he'll probably live in Manhattan beach. It's like 30 minutes that's where, you know, so I said, well, what is six million? That's where, get in that's where
2: Lane lived and Sark lived. Yeah. She right. said,
1: that's generally where those guys probably will live. And she, I think she lives there. She knows the area. And so she started sending me like $6 million homes. I started looking at them and I'm telling you, like they're going to, the, the Riley's are going to walk in and be like, ah, this living room's too small. Like ah, our neighbors are too close. And I said, I don't know anything about that market. My advice to Link would be buy a $10 million home. And she's like, well, here's what 10 gets you. And that's. Now you got some space. You're still close to the ocean. You know, you again, these are like beach, we're talking like ocean walk to the ocean homes, but still like ten million dollars. So either Lincoln got what you talking about, a ten million dollar house for six, or it's one of his two homes, like you don't get one closer to the, you know, six million by the stadium or by the facility and then like the real family house. Cause if he owned two homes in Norman, how,
2: why isn't he two in Norman? Well, because like, he's, he would just finish completing the 12,000 oh, square oh, foot home. Oh, okay, so gotcha. he was living in the other home, so he hadn't sold the other gotcha. home yet, yep. which is probably more sellable. Let's say yeah. that's a $1.5 million house. He He's like, well, I, I give his agent credit. Like I wouldn't even think about that. Hey, just take the two homes off. Like I, I was gonna sell this for one five, this cost me $3 million. Will you just reimburse me four and a half? They said, no, you pick the price and we will go 500 over. That is an incredible, and part of it is like, he just had all the juice. He had all the negotiating power. Just like when you see Brian Kelly, th- th- these these schools did not want to go like to other, like to me, Lincoln Riley was LSU's top choice. They were USC's top choice. Brian Kelly was to me pretty clearly probably uh, LSU's second choice. Do you agree with that? Like they they were not like gonna go kind of random people.
1: No, their ad is pretty structured, I think.
2: And I think the going rate, like we have seen that ninety five million dollar, and maybe Mel Tucker early on was in that mix too. But I, it does feel like he bowed out. I would say three or four weeks ago. Would you? as that fair to say? Yeah, it felt
1: like in ten minutes he bowed
2: out. But doesn't it feel like that ninety five number was just kind of the sweet spot that everyone was using off other people? Because Kelly got it, uh, Mel Tucker got it. Lincoln's like, hey guys you're going to uh, 95. I don't really need fucking more than that to move across the country to tax haven and, and a place where $6 million doesn't even get me a big home. So they had to give him the one ten and then all this other sweet shit and the jet. Think about the, what, what is the private jet for unlimited use? So it's like his wife, like I want to go to pebble beach this weekend. Like, okay, let's roll.
1: <laughs> well, are you watching succession right now? Uh, yeah. I just, I caught up on like three episodes. Uh, I'm not all the way till like, I think it's like season three, episode seven. I'm like at like episode four but uh there's like a big negotiation I don't think I'm gonna spoiler alert anything for anybody and one of the contentious things is like no more use of the PJs and they're <laughs> like they want to take the PJs first they come for your PJs then they take your children you know it was a big
2: point I don't know did you have you seen that episode yet I saw I saw that and the guy clearly was just fucking with him right just to Wanted fuck him. with him yeah and yeah the, yeah yeah, yeah. I, I I think that is one I that I you could have just hey I'll take my sell my house at a loss give me the unlimited PJ unlimited. Like, oh, what do you want to do this weekend? Oh, you want to go play golf in Idaho at Coeur d'Alene? Let's do it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like she, she, his wife's going to be like, oh, I want to go shopping in San Diego. Yeah, we don't need to drive. Hop in the jet. <laughs> That's an, that to me is an incredible because most coaches contracts, even a lot of like CEOs, you get a limited amount for family stuff, right? You get unlimited for work, but they, they may give you 50 hours for family. That unlimited, like we don't ask questions around here. I want to go to New York for the weekend with my family, we're going. And, and tell the pilot to be ready in 20, because <laughs> I'm ready right now.
1: Like, well, actually, the, uh, the president needed the jet. Well, <laughs> time to make a
2: switch. Good thing with the Trojans, they probably have multiple jets. And this is, yeah. what, this is what really, obviously, you do a lot of stuff with the Pac-12. I consume a lot of Pac-12. I've been saying for a long time, we can't keep complaining about money on the West Coast. Now, I understand like Washington State or Oregon State, like there are going to be some programs that are not going to be able to compete with LSU or Michigan or Ohio State. But USC cannot even act like UCLA or Arizona State. You have too many fucking resources. And this is where I give them credit. They clearly were on board that if they could get the right guy, they were willing to just empty the tank. And to them, at the end of the day, they didn't really empty the tank. This is... As a text thread I'm on, this was a rounding error for them. This is not that big a deal. And I'm just glad they used it. Because you have to say this about the Big Ten and the SEC. Those programs, not just the top program, but their three or four or five or six programs that are in the mix are all operating like this. Like LSU, obviously they had a bad year, but I mean right now they would be third or fourth in the hierarchy in their conference, right? Alabama, yeah. Georgia, and even A&M, the way they've been spending money. Now they're not winning.
1: But. well there's a level of coach where there's not a negotiation and there's not when it comes to lincoln riley at usc there's not a lot of negotiation
2: like did usc say no to anything if that list of things is true well, i bet he that, felt like it i bet his agent probably pushed him to ask for more shit and you say how many country club
1: how many yeah how many country club memberships do i need i got three i don't know what he got but i'm sure there's a country club membership at least one oh yeah uh you know that gets thrown in i mean but that's where, pretty where difficult. would you where would you go what's the is it beverly hills what's the one that al yeah michaels but i mean had? what
2: yeah but what about marky mark riviera they have PG i'd be like well can i get riviera too la country clubs holding hosts in the u.s open and be like i've heard that's pretty sweet you know what's like,
1: the al michaels one is that beverly hills where him and oj were supposed to play golf
2: i thought it was brentwood doc was brentwood. his partner yeah, I mean, guy, I, I think there's four that I think if you start asking around, they all have, Sherwood Country Club, I think, has some moments. I don't think <laughs> you'd have a problem, yeah, getting into any of them.
1: <laughs>
2: well, I, you know what, you, it'd be uh, hard. I'd be one? like, hey, could you just get me into five? Like, I'll just, I'll skip it a five. Just give me the five best ones.
1: Um, there's, I'm trying to remember the home course. Is it Sherwood that's the well, – what makes sense. The USC golf team has a sick home course. Rolling Hills maybe? I don't well,
2: know. Did, you, did you see the Instagram the other day? My brother forwarded to me of the 360 panoramic around Wayne Gretzky's house. No. He has this mansion in L.A. that is incredible at the top of the hill. Well, it's on a golf course, and I'm on this thread with my brother and a couple other guys. I'm like, what course is that? And it was Sherwood Country Club, and it looks <laughs> – I mean, I've heard of it, but I don't know. I've never been there or anything. It looked pretty fucking incredible.
1: That's probably not his only membership either. No. Before we get to the Niners Seahawks matchup and Debo and something Kyle Shanahan said that was very interesting, watching Russell Wilson on Tuesday night was pretty eye opening. Uh, It's not the first time you've watched Russell and thought, yeah, he doesn't quite get away like he used to. But I thought it was really eye opening last night that he just wasn't escaping that Washington defense. And that was before he got shoved to the ground in that last drive that actually he ended up driving down the field and, you know, getting them within two. But I, what did you think just watching him? Does he look off? Do they look off? I mean, they're
2: what are they three and eight now. Yeah, I man, I just think he looks terrible. Their team looks terrible. Uh, he looks like he's injured. They, they just don't look very good. They're the worst version of Seattle we've ever seen. I mean, I don't even think it's close. Obviously, the record speaks for itself. They're three and eight. I mean, they're they're not only not going to the playoffs. I mean, their their draft pick right now is in the top five, top five. That's I, I honestly I, I tweeted this last time, but it's I, not theirs. I, you know, I'm kind of at a loss watching them because obviously they pulled games out of their ass the last several years, and I think all of us it crossed our mind they were going to pull that game, you know, from the depths of their crevices. But <laughs> th- th- I to me they never even felt when they were pulling games out they were a three and eight team. Right? I mean, guy, you're 3-8. and eight. They're headed for 5-12. and 12. Like, that's where that's the path they're on. It's, it's, it's crazy to watch as, as West Coast NFC West people that have just consumed so many of their random games. We obviously watch a lot them versus the Niners, them versus the Rams, them versus, versus the Cardinals, because they play a lot of those games in prime time and they matter. But how many times have you watched them against random teams? Shitty ones. They're always in tight games. They always pull it off. And when they play better opponents, they've always won. I mean, it's just, it feels over. And part of it, like you're allowed a bad season, part of it feels like the carryover from the offseason. It just, Pete 70, Russell doesn't really like him. They hired this offensive coordinator, uh, Waldron from the Rams. It clearly hasn't worked. Uh, now, he, Russell's hurt right now, but he just, I was, I, if, I just looked up his stat line last night. It looks better twenty-one to thirty for two hundred and forty yards, two touchdowns. It didn't feel that way. I bet he, you know, gained what probably sixty plus seventy yards on that last drive. But man, I don't know. What do you think?
1: I th- I thought it was stunning. I'm with you. And uh, I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks because I've had this thought in my head that like nobody hates offensive coordinators like Seattle. Washington fans have only had one good one in who knows how many years with Jonathan Smith. They hated their guy the last two years that Jimmy had. The Seahawks, as good as they've been, they hate every offensive coordinator. And so I've I've actually been thinking about this for a couple weeks, and then I saw a tweet last night from somebody who covers the Seahawks who suggested that Shane Waldron, like, could Shane Waldron be one and done? Now, if Pete's gone and Russ is gone, then maybe he definitely could be one and done. But Russell Wilson not only doesn't get offensive coaches promoted, he gets them fired. And that makes him different than almost every other great quarterback in the NFL in the last 30 years. I mean, if you are an offensive coach, coordinator, QB coach for a future Hall of Fame quarterback, you are going to get somebody on your staff is going to get a job out of that. Listen to this list and feel free to jump in if you think I'm missing anybody. But let's go through some of the greatest quarterbacks of the last 25, 30 years in the NFL. Hackenberg. They all get... Bill O'Brien, a job. They all get guys jobs. Brady, Bill O'Brien, actually. So we can start with him. Josh McDaniels, Charlie Weiss, Byron Lefwich is probably going to become a head coach because of Brady. Joe Montana, Shanahan, and Holmgren and Gruden. Peyton Manning, Bruce Arians, Mike McCoy became a head coach because of Peyton. Adam Gase became a head coach because of Peyton. Drew Brees. When Drew was leaving San Diego, Cam Cameron was his OC. Cam just had a then had a great year with Rivers, but Doug Marone was his offensive coordinator. John Elway, Mike Shanahan got the head coaching job. Chan Gailey, Jim Fossil, Gary Kubiak, Aaron Rodgers, Joe Philbin. Ben McAdoo was his quarterback coach before he went to New York to become the offensive coordinator. And Nathaniel Hackett, who's the OC there now, is probably going to get a job.
2: Favre. I actually think, and I told you this before uh, the podcast, I think you got to throw McCarthy in there as well. Even though Rodgers got McCarthy fired, he, he would not have got rehired if he didn't have the resume he had under Rodgers. You right? know, I yeah, I didn't have him on. I think you're right about that.
1: I think the fact that he coached Rodgers, even though he got fired, is what gets him the Cowboy job. It's you're not right.
2: like he had this resume of like Andy Reid working with all these quarterbacks was when he was with the Eagles, right? McCarthy's whole resume was Aaron Rodgers, right? right? <laughs> I mean. uh, Andy Reid. That was the other guy on Favre. Aikman, North Turner,
1: Steve Young, Shanahan, Greg Knapp, Marty Morningweg. Went to Detroit after that. Mark Tressman, Roethlisberger, Ken Wisenhunt was his OC. Kurt Warner, Mike March became the head coach. Todd Haley got a head coaching job. Rivers, I mentioned Cam Cameron, Rod Chizinski went from the tight end coach in San Diego to the OC in Cleveland. Ken Wisenhunt was back after he was the head coach in Arizona, was one year OC for Rivers, got the Tennessee head job. McAdoo again, Eli Manning, McAdoo was his OC, after he got sent to Eli from uh, from uh, a Rogers and became the head coach, Cam Newton, Rob Chudzinski got the Browns' job after he was Cam's OC. Donovan McNabb got Pat Shermer and Brad Childress' jobs. Warren Moon got Brian Billick and Mike Tice jobs. Now I maybe I'm missing like one of the best. You know, I, I that's that's not a complete list of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But that's, uh, you know, the last 25, 30 years. It's like 25 years plus L.A., Montana, you know. The only guy. Oh, Drew, Bre- Drew Brees, Dan Campbell. Dan, Dan Campbell. Ted Marchabrota. Jim Kelly got him a job. The only guy that I couldn't, and I'll admit, I don't know enough about the dynamic of the Dolphins offense. Nobody got a job for Marino. But, like, John, it, this is. Listen to that list and tell me how is it that Daryl Bevel fired Schottenheimer out? Shane Waldron now's not good enough how, how how come now maybe it's the organization I'm not that's not just about Russ, but I never would you, if you told me Russell Wilson, if you just read me his career, I'd go, well, how many people got at least one OC became a head coach
2: but i'd I'd also say think of all the guys like under Pete never had a problem getting guys jobs at USc offensive guys, right? all those yeah. guys let's talk right. about all the guys under Pete on defense over the years he Produced like three head coaches uh I mean Sala doesn't totally count but he started with Pete obviously Gus and uh Dan Quinn so it's like it's not like Seattle wasn't shooting guys out hell their GM got a job why though guys Russ is really the closest with it is great angle by you because it is nuts it is so what nuts. is it? I don't he have- was a little bit. I got one. He's a little bit of an NBA player. Like there is a drama that clearly, from a football standpoint, you can say whatever you want about Rodgers <laughs> being a little weird. I do think he's kind of a football nerd. Like when he's footballing out with his football guys, I think he's a little more genuine football wise than I, I think. You described the Russ party. He threw a party where he invited everyone there. He had a fucking security guard around him. Everyone at the party was invited from him. like I we can say what we want about Rogers and his family and some stuff, even though I bet if the details came out, more people would probably lean with Rodgers and and just go on the Bachelor like my my if my parents ever did that to me. i I don't know if I'd disown him, but I would not have been happy Wow that so i I think Rogers like gets along with his football people much better than Russ. Look at Rodgers relationship with his wide receivers why are all russell's relationships with the players always weird like we're all these famous players no one's ever just kind of pounding the table for him hell tyler lockett i watch him every game like god damn this guy's good yeah i never feel like he's just like russell my guy devontae adams is like if he's not here i'm out <laughs> right randall cobb is like come get me come get me aaron <laughs> You know, Aaron Jones like, I love being here. I I was reading some Albert Breer quotes about A.J. Dillon. He's like, this offense, man, playing with Aaron. It's like they love it. Yeah. And I've been saying for a while, I think Aaron Rodgers, because I I do think they're kind of put in this uh, duo together. Like they're two great players, both won a Super Bowl, both going to the Hall of Fame. Rodgers is better than Russell, but like kind of weird. You know, Peyton and Tom are like beloved, same with Breeze. I do not put Aaron with Russell. I think Russell – and it's weird because, like, for people that – Niner people that have watched Russell at minimum, right, two times a year for the last nine years, it's hard. And anyone that's gone to see him live to be like, that's one of the best players I've ever seen in any sport. That was remarkable. He is a remarkable player before this season. Remarkable. I've seen him live probably four or five times. I don't even know if I've ever seen him lose against the Niners, thinking back. I haven't. Uh, he just—he's won every game I've ever attended. Even the—I went to the Monday Night game, the Super Bowl year, and he fucking beat him in overtime because Jimmy threw a terrible pick. Yeah. And and they didn't have a kicker, but he's a great player. But clearly there's, there is just other stuff that comes along with being a quarterback, and I think it's 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 twofold. You are kind of a—you're basically an assistant coach slash. You got to be like the leader of all your guys. And I do think we have to question that a little bit with him. And now things are going off the rails. It doesn't feel like he's Mr. You know, going to help build him out. Now, part of it, I, I do think he's a shell of himself right now. Like throwing the ball. He's throwing some balls that just like his accuracy with the finger. A guy, you can't not sleep 19 hours a day and work the finger. Maybe his fingers just fucked. Maybe he's, maybe something else is wrong with him. Like what? I don't know. I've, I've never seen. Him take, else? I, mean, I mean,
1: another physical ailment is what I'm saying.
2: I I, I mean, feels like I've watched hundred Russell Wilson out. games. I have never ever seen him take the sack that he took when he rolls out. He just like stood there. It's like he just stopped, and then the guy just shoved him. It was bizarre. That that bizarre. Is a sack to like a like Peterman he didn't see takes. him. It was that was weird. John,
1: his agent gave a list of teams they could trade him to in the offseason. But
2: but you say he checked out, and I want to say that too. And then he leaves him on the game tying touchdown drive.
1: I know. Well, he's still out there playing. I don't know. I don't know. But it's it's a mess right now. Let's tell you about Overland. Overland.com slash ham. Don't wait another day to slip into something more comfortable. Get the best, highest quality sheepskin slippers on the market. Overland is a family-owned company, a heritage brand. They've put comfort and quality first for nearly 50 years. Middlecoff is wearing his slippers. He'd pull them up right now if he had them. Mine are over there. I'm not going to run over and get them by the door. But they're fantastic. And they've got a lot of stuff. They got outerwear, they got accessories, home decor. Overland uses expert craftsmanship to pair the highest wicking, highest quality merino sheepskin, which is naturally moisture wicking, temperature regulating, antimicrobial with supportive memory foam, midsoles to make slippers that feel better for longer. Everybody, everybody, especially this time of year, your tootsies will get a little chilly. Everybody needs slippers, they're the perfect no brainer gift. We're in the middle of Hanukkah right now. You got a month coming up, three weeks, three and a half for Christmas, whatever holidays, birthdays, New Year's, whatever. Tell somebody you love them with some slippers. Tell your feet you love them with some slippers. Overland offers 100% satisfaction guarantee. Their commitment to customer service is exceptional. So don't wait another day. Go to overland.com to get the best, highest quality sheepskin slippers on the market at overland.com slash ham. You'll get free shipping and returns go today because of, uh, you know, you never know things take time these days. So jump on it fast. Overland.com slash ham slash ham slash ham baby. Uh, speaking of slash ham, how about this? We got a little, a little, uh, a new addition to the podcast today. Go to, uh, drink trade, That's drinktrade.com slash ham. Use the promo code ham to get $20 off your first three bags of some of the best coffee that you can find at drinktrade.com slash ham
2: and code ham. Yep, guy, let me me hop in here. Trade's goal is to make every cup of coffee your best ever. Trade will match you to coffees you'll love from 400 plus craft coffees, and they'll send you freshly roasted bag as often as you like. You can get feedback as you sip. As preferences evolve, your coffee matches will too. You can feel good about each cup since trade partners with 55 plus small US-based roasters who are committed to ethical and sustainable sourcing.
1: How do you beat trade. that? Trade, drinktrade.com slash ham. They guarantee you'll love the first match. On the off chance that you don't, they'll replace it with a different bag. Full free, pop free. I drink coffee every day, two cups a day, So I'm all about trade. Drinktrade.com slash ham. 20 bucks off your first three bags at checkout when you use the code ham. So it's a double. This is a double, 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 double. You got to go dot com slash ham. Drinktrade.com slash ham. And then you use code ham this holiday season. Give the coffee lover in your life the gift of better coffee too with their own personalized gift subscription from trade. Enjoy. By the way, Overland plus trade. I mean, that's a bang bang of telling somebody you love them.
2: Dude, send some gifts. Hanukkah, Christmas, get on it, people.
1: Uh, the the uh, the number two quarterback in the nation just committed to USC.
2: He was committed to uh, Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, SoCal.
2: Yeah, R- Riley's problem is not going to be quarterbacks. Like he's guy, he went back to back number one overall picks. He turned Jalen Hurts into a player. He benched Spencer Rattler, who was the number one quarterback for Caleb, who was the number one quarterback.
1: Well, I saw Spencer Rattler's going to ASU is the the one of the reports.
2: But isn't their quarterback going to come back?
1: Because they don't know if he's staying or not. And they couldn't wait, is what Jordan, this guy who covers ASU. Jordan Simone said,
2: "Where, like, kind of where, a, could where, where would he in.
1: go? Well, like does he want to go pro? But James? A, little a crazy. Is
2: that his first name, Jaden.
1: Jane, uh, Jane.
2: Pro to me. DeLora? I mean, I've watched them. I, mean, I know. <laughs> Transfer I know. portal, maybe,
1: but pro. Debo Samuel out. Fred Warner out. Um, here's some perspective on Debo, John. I don't know if you saw this tweet from uh, the NFL on ESPN. Debo Samuel is the first receiver in NFL history to have 1,000 receiving yards, five receiving touchdowns, and five rushing touchdowns in the same season.
2: That's in- remarkable.
1: <laughs> and it's there's a lot of season left.
2: Yeah, I mean, they... I saw Kyle say that he's seen Debo now long enough and been around him long enough to know when he stops, something's wrong. And he mentioned last year at Washington, I guess two years ago against the football team, maybe it was last year, that it happened. And there was another time last year where he pulled up with his hamstring. And like Debo is a good judge of his own body. And Kyle thought that him stopping might have saved him. Uh, Mm. And I just... I... I you freaked out more than me when he got destroyed. I just thought he had just tried to cut and his, not that his body gave away, it just didn't really cut and he just got stopped. And I had thought he got a concussion. You know, I thought he had rattled his face cause the guy then crushes him, but clearly Kyle knows him a lot better than me because something happened to me. It's not ideal, you know, and I, same thing with Fred, because both those two guys are players who are very, very dependent on explosion. And last time I checked, a hamstring for Fred, who is a cover run around linebacker and Debo, who I don't know, like you said, is shattering records. Uh, That's a little scary. Like it'd be one thing like Elijah Mitchell shatters his finger, which I'm sure hurt like a mother. Didn't notice it at all. (laughs) Right. It's like, whatever it's a finger and he can just shoot that bad boy up, play through it. And it doesn't even have these two injuries. I, I think both. And I understand Debo's is bigger because he has been. You know, Fred's had, for his standards, a down season. But I mean, these are. I mean, if Debo's the second best player in the team beside Trent, Fred's still a top five or six player in this team. This is. They're lucky that Seattle is leaking oil would be an understatement. They're on the side of the road with multiple shattered tires and rims and a doors missing and a window's now off. Right. Because if this was normal Seattle, you'd be like, oh, they'd be fucked.
1: I specifically, if it was normal Russ like a s- elusive Russ
2: like who would you who would be so chased, you have to, to so you have to score with them and you gotta chase them right yeah who would you have number one chasing him yeah I uh, mean what once 50, you know, 51's been playing well
1: he has been yeah he has been really well he but I, I, like to I, me, I saw a friend, great and in, so much experience in this rivalry specifically against this quarterback
2: yeah and I think the way Debo's playing right now like Every, every Niner person's thinking this, watching Seattle be like, and we're on a text thread with multiple people. No one thinks that Seattle's going to have 10 points going in the fourth quarter against the 49ers. Everybody's scared. <laughs> yeah. So there is, you know, Steve Kerr appropriate fear. There ain't a soul that watches the 49ers that thinks this bad boy is going to be a cakewalk, right? This, and it's not, but... I, I just—they've been scoring with Debo. He's been like getting multiple touchdowns a game. So where do they get the points? That you know where they do? They, they have to throw it more. That means Jimmy. <laughs> that means scary. That means he throws picks. Now, luckily, do uh, you see what's his name just tied his career high last night for two picks in a season, uh, Jamal Adams. <laughs> or no, no, he just eclipsed his career high. I guess his career high was one, and th- that last night was a second pick. And it Jamal really Adams
1: two weeks in a row, has basically gone ole on the goal line. Just let a guy run by him.
2: you think it's the worst trade in NFL history?
1: I mean, I know it's one of the worst trades in NFL history. I'd have to think about it a little more if it's the
2: worst trade in NFL history, but it's one of the worst trades in NFL history, yeah. But A buddy texted me and asked me that today. Like, Goff and Wentz, those guys were disastrous contracts, but both of them were worth it for those teams, right? Yeah. The Rams got to a Super Bowl and Wentz indirectly won him a Super Bowl. <laughs> kind of. I mean, Wentz was he got hurt, but they he traded wasn't. both of them. Traded multiple ones to get those guys and then paid them an astronomical amount of money.
1: Wentz looked like an MVP until he got hurt one year. I mean, it's like to me, this is not even
2: like this is
1: non productive and it's not even smart. Like I don't even get the logic. I understand going all in. Like if you think that's the quarterback, go all in. If you're wrong, you're wrong. But I get it.
2: This thing is bananas. Well, he's not, like, let's say the 49ers traded Debo Samuel this offseason for two ones and a two. You'd be like, holy shit, right? But you'd be like, well, you're getting one of the best players in the NFL. Now, short sample size, been injured. The thing with Jamal Adams is, like, he was just a tackling linebacker that played safety. It's like, well, he can't really cover. Like, what does he even, right? Like, what does it even, at least Jalen can lock down and play, you know, corner. But the problem is for Jalen is that they don't even use him as like, a, you know, they isol- They didn't isolate him. Devontae had eight catches for like 100 plus yards, I guess. It's like, why don't you just chase him around? That's where it makes me nervous this week with, uh, with Debo not being there for scoring points. Because I do think he'll have to score points in this game. I'm just going to assume that until I see different.
1: I agree, but I think what's more important is Debo Samuel being healthy in two weeks. Because Cincinnati is a better football team than Seattle. Cincinnati is 6th in the NFL in points per game right now. The Bengals average 28 points per game. They, they, I mean, offensively, they're, they're scoring with Arizona and Indianapolis. Um, Seattle's averaging 19. Seattle's scoring with Miami and the Giants and, and the Panthers. Okay? And the Niners are closer to Cincinnati than they are to Seattle offensively. right? The Niners are 11th, tied with Minnesota and Kansas City. So I guess maybe they're ninth, whatever. But they're both they're all three of those teams are 25 and a half points a game. Debo Samuel is, again, appropriate fear for Seattle, but all the evidence we have in front of our eyes right now tells us that Cincinnati is the game that you're gonna have to score more points than Seattle.
2: You See so, him back in a week. You see that I, game got moved up
1: too. It got moved. Well, got moved back, right? From a one o'clock to a four o'clock. It was a 10 a.m. body clock game. Now it's a 125 It's one of the. It's one of our like one twenty five East Coast games, but the one twenty five Pacific window. So it's an afternoon game Mm -hmm. now on the West Coast.
2: Yeah, so an upgrade, right? I think that's better for the Niners, right? Yeah, Yeah, I I just mean it's always they they put better games in the in that afternoon slot, is what I'm saying.
1: Yep. Yeah, I agree. That to me, the question with Debo is is this a two-week injury or is it a one-week injury?
2: I I just see under no circumstances how you can. They got lucky, not lucky because they earned it, but winning that game allows you a little breathing room. Like under no circumstances could you rush him back this game. I think next week you cannot have a Drake Greenlaw situation. Now, he had a major injury, had surgery, but I'm saying like you can't bring him back and then have him mid-game yank up on that and be like, oh, my God. Right, because that happens to hamstrings a lot, and I'd say I, same with Fred. You you cannot, and that's the thing though with the with the tissue injuries, you never know until because they practice, they're fine, they react, and then they get in the game. This is a, clearly a different speed. Yeah, I
1: I know that part. I wish it was just a, you know, like the Elijah Mitchell a broken finger or something. Not that you wish it was anything, but I'm gonna be on pins and needles the rest of the year. I think when it comes to Debo, even when he comes back, yeah. That's the scary thing. It's not As he's idea, turned into it's... one of the most valuable players in the NFL, sucks.
2: Could have been worse. Yeah.
1: I mean, are the is the days of using him the way they've used him this year? Is that over?
2: I... But guys, it's not. It's not use. He's not. He's only touching the ball so many times. Like they could throw him. It's not. It, to me, it has nothing to. You just get hurt. Like guys get hurt in the NFL. He's really not being used that often. It feels like he's being used more than he is. I know,
1: his his mere existence though is such a big deal. His presence.
2: Well, well we can't talk about paying him huge money if you got to get worried about using him. Like they use the shit out of Devonte Adams, they use the shit out of Tyreek Hill. Like my best players that I'm gonna pay a premium, I got to use the shit out of. They use the shit out of Kittle, right? Right. You know, so it's like if I'm gonna pay, they Trent Williams, they run it to the left basically ninety percent of the time. Like I, I just have to be able to Nick Bosa. I ride right? him like Secretariat. It's it's part of the scary part with Debo. It's a, it's it's the elephant in the room about he clearly his character, his vibe, his his aura, like I, his smile, like he's just he hangs with Trent, like he's everything you want. He has one question mark right now, and it's can he have like three straight seasons of seventeen games? And you would say, well, no. Do we start with one? Yeah, it's, it hasn't happened yet, and he goes back to college like. He was just one of those guys, clearly, who's a 36 pick in the draft, I think. If he has a fully healthy college career, he's probably pick 20, right? Well,
1: I had a, I had somebody tell me, I, I'm glad you just reminded me of this. Somebody told me yesterday that one of the Raven scouts really wanted to draft Debo. Well, he feels like a Raven, doesn't he? It feels like, and it made total sense. And Can you know, imagine was, how
2: good he would be with Lamar in the backfield? Holy
1: shit. I'm not drafting a running back that high, was the answer they got.
2: That's what Ozzy told the
1: scout. I don't know if it was Ozzy, but somebody was like, we're not taking a running back that high.
2: It's like, well, they were kind of right. Like they knew how to use them. It turned out, right? Baltimore had the right idea. Can you imagine those two running the zone read, Debo, and then like doing little crazy passes with Roman? That'd be sweet. I mean, Kyle's probably dreaming about that with Trey, right? Doing like a diamond formation with Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel and Mm. Trey Lance. And then just and have Kittle and 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 uh, Trent and be like, hey guys, we're coming left. Get fucking ready. <laughs> Trent just doesn't mention, say anything, and then he throws three guys 17 feet. Trent just oh does God. not talk and kicks everyone's ass. I know. Every day or like every week on like Tuesday, a couple just like football nerds I follow on you know Twitter, it'll always come up. 71 on the 49ers, is the most underappreciated guy in league history. People do not understand. Those are like seven highlights and just bodies are flying. <laughs> like, just, just like, just tumbleweeds. <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, yeah, that guy's an NFL defensive tackle and he just got tossed seven feet. I know.
1: It's really become uh, O line. Uh, the O line community has, has embraced it to the point that they've made it mainstream. Yeah. All right. So, that said, Debo aside, watching Seattle do you have appropriate fear for the Seattle Seahawks uh, from a Niners perspective this week? Or well, I, are I, they toast?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I do think they both possible. I expect it to be a closer game. I mean, last night technically was a closer game, partly because Washington couldn't score. But if you're going to make the playoffs, when you get a team, think about like the jungle. And I watch a lot of jungle YouTubes and I follow a lot of jungle, like uh, Instagram accounts. Hmm. When there is like a limping gazelle, when there is an injured animal around the water, the predators lick their lips and they go to, they go eat dinner. And listen, it's it, Minnesota was hard, right? They had a bunch of good players. Uh, it, it's just gonna be the Rams a couple weeks ago was gonna be hard. This is you have you know a gazelle and really one of the faster gazelles for the last you know decade. As a you know the Seattle's a gazelle, they are limping right now. And they, at any moment, they could hit the Jets and get a little bit of the power. But you have to, you know, attack their neck and kill them and eat them. You cannot lose this game. It would be hard. And I understand your mission, Debo Samuel. And I understand your mission, Fred Warner. But you have been on the opposite side of this several times with Seattle. And, and you've played them tight. Remember, they beat them that one, the year to get Bosa. And I was furious. I'm like, I can't believe it. And it ended up working out because the football gods maybe rewarded them. But this is, you just have to find a way to win this game. Luckily, this is not college football. There's no point differential. There's no scoreboard. You're not, there's only four teams in the playoffs. You could win this game nine to seven and fuck, just get out of there, come home, <laughs> right? But you have to win this game. Look, I I, I cannot, like, I, you just can't lose this game to a three and eight Seattle team. And I understand it's on the road. and I do think the 12s are gonna be a little rattled. <laughs> like, it's not. The fervor just not going to be there. It's human nature, but you just you got to fucking win this game, guy. Now, Cincinnati, I would not say the same thing. Like if you go into that week and they win, I think the Bengals. I, I don't know who they play this week, but because the Steelers play the the Ravens, this is regardless what their record is. Like I, that's a tough game on the road. They're playing well. Joe Mixon's a stud. Burrow's a stud. Jamar Chase. They're just good. Like they they've beat enough teams now. We've seen him kick the Ravens' ass. Seen him kick the Steelers' ass. Seen him kick the Raiders' ass. Like I'm not looking at the the Bengals, especially playing them on the road in a pretty big game. Who knows? Maybe Hanson Romo call that. So let's let's assume the Bengals win this week against the Chargers. That is fucking. I if you're seven and five, that's a hard game. You might you could easily lose it. Let's assume the Niners win and the Bengals win. Don't are the Bengals favored in that game? Is that a minus three Bengals? Just uh yes. I do not look at the Bengal game like Seattle. They're limping. They're bleeding. They're the gazelle. Who's you have to kill them. You just have to. I, I. I. Even Russell's chubby right now. He's got a weird finger. Pete. The whole thing. Jamal Adams celebrates when they're down ten. Jamal's got like this l- way less accomplished cam thing going. Like Jamal, I do appreciate your physicality as a as a lover of physicality in football, and I like players like you, but when your team is three and seven and you're playing on Monday night football and you're kind of getting your ass kicked and it's the third quarter and you're celebrating like just an open field tackle. It's like at least Cam had like won an MVP and been to pro bowls. Like you've kind of been a lifetime loser. You know, I'm not anti-Jamal, but I'm also not really feeling them. They're
1: not feeling him. I'll tell you that. I, (laughs) I keep seeing the Seattle people in my Twitter feed with these like weak effort tackle plays on the goal line two weeks in a row.
2: I think that um, Kyle is going to isolate him and go after him to Like if Debo was around, they would try to get Debo on him.
1: I, Who's you cover. Him? Him? It's not going to be ideal. Surefield.
2: You're saying because I, you, Kittle? Little and he could kill him.
1: Yeah. Just fat. No, no. I'm saying not ideal for Jamal. Just cause cause oh, yeah, speed. Yeah, yeah. Kittle. I mean, can you run with Kittle? No. <laughs> oh, geez. so I mean like, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know that there's.
2: Now if you're Russell, my game plan would be if I was Shane Waldron, as two guys that if if they if they came to Ham and said how do we attack the Niners I'd be like well pretty easy <laughs> you know that little guy number sixteen and that other enormous guy I don't even know what number oh uh, he's fourteen I would take sixteen and I would take fourteen and I would have them run straight at full speed and I would tell Russ take three or five steps depending on whatever you're comfortable and just throw it deep every fucking play because I'll promise you these guys cannot cover you and you will get PIs when they uh when they are covered. If if they don't take ten go route shots, I think they are doing themselves a disservice. The Niners better pray that they don't do that. <laughs> and their route to lock it is the deep crosser, like that's mm-hmm. his go-to. Mm-hmm. I I would say, hey, DK don't even, just
1: running free twenty yards down the field over. the I would
2: of say, the yeah, don't even waste that angle. Just just go straight. <laughs> just go. How is Josh Norman covering either one of those guys? He's not by holding. They, and I, listen, I I get like it's a tougher job for the. Uh, for the beat guys, they're around those guys a lot. And not even like not like the player's care, but the administration and the coaching staff. And so Mayoko and these guys making a conscious effort to be like, Josh Norman leads the league in forced fumbles. Like, yeah, guys, we, we understand he can punch the ball out. He can't cover anybody. He's not playing linebacker.
1: I do have to give him credit. Though. That's not nothing. Well, he's I mean, a great puncher of the ball. That's, they've that's created a, turnovers, and that's that's, that's they a need, skill they've needed him. He, uh, but he creates
2: punches of the ball when you run it.
1: Yeah. Or after somebody has caught it, I guess even then that that's not normally where they come in, huh? Unless it's, it's like a yeah, screen player. Yeah. Something. Cause
2: he's coming down on you. So it's you, to me, it most of them runs or passes to people that he had nothing to do with. But I, I, think, I, I get it's a real stat, but it's also.
1: Well, I, look, I talked about him. Like he was not bringing anything to the table. He, after that penalty he got against Arizona, he has been bringing something to the table. We got to admit that he's got a good punch. He's got a good punch. Um, you know, I think the the Niners aren't going to end the Seattle Seahawks season, right? They're not ending the dynasty if they beat them this week. That's their season the ending last night. When their agree? season kind of yeah, I agree. And the dynasty, this thing has been cooking for a while. Again, Russ Russ's agent put out teams publicly with his name on it that he would go to. So this thing's been on its way. Is it but, a dynasty
2: when you only win one championship?
1: Whatever, eh, probably not. It, it was an incredible run, but. I do think the one thing that's Seahawks fans have seen the Seahawks struggle on the road against they, that game they played on Monday Night Football. The Seahawks have played multiple times in the last ten years.
2: Guy, they were playing that in their Super Bowl years.
1: Yeah, they play. <laughs> what they don't do is look like shit against the Niners. Like if the Niners kick their again, they're three and eight, three and eight or three and nine, three and eight, three and eight. That's jarring in and of itself. But if somehow the Niners work them the way that they've worked like the Rams before. That I think is going to feel like a whole other thing to everybody.
2: If they lose by multiple touchdowns, it yeah. Would if it's be like some, jarring. it's
1: that. Now I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying that's going to feel different than any of these other games. Seattle beat them the last time they played.
2: This now, year, the, Niner, the Niners were kicking their ass in that game. Remember? Yeah. But the the, the scoreboard didn't reflect it, and then Cannon muffs a kickoff, and then fumbles, and then it just snowballed quick. And I think did Trey come in in the second half of that game? Yeah. And then he yeah, because Jimmy and, got hurt. Seattle's one and four at home. Like one thing that's just... Now, a couple of those games Geno played, definitely one of them Geno played because they played on a Sunday night game. But they are... okay, yeah, they're just a shell. I mean, they've just been terrible all season. I mean, they, they lost a game. To me, the game they never lost, that they lost this season, that even when I thought they were going to be good, that I knew something was off, was the Tennessee game because I remember watching it on my couch, red zone. They're up like 31 to 14. It's like, oh, Seattle's just kicking their ass. Then all of a sudden they're in overtime and then they lose the game. That to me, when they lost the Tennessee Titan game, 33 to 30, that was one of the crazier things I've ever seen. Because that, that's when I was like, ah, oh, something is off here. Something is off. And then even the Niners game, they were off. They were not good. The Niners were outgaining them like 200 to 10 and somehow the score was seven to seven. <laughs> But it was just they showed signs before he hurt his finger that they were fucked. And the Niners were good enough at the time to take advantage of it. It's way worse now. You're you're three and seven or three and eight. The Niners caught a break. They play Monday night football across the country. So then it's weird because Russell, you know, shaving points, quitting on him. Like he does just look weird. You know. you
1: should, to be clear, you said shaving points like it came from somewhere. That was just, I texted you last, Monday night like, is Russ shaving points? Because I'm just trying to figure out what the hell's yeah. going on, just so people don't yeah. think that was like a report from somewhere.
2: No, it was a Haberman thought. And I was like, yeah, I kind of agree. But then, he, but then I was sort of like, is he shaving points You know, to keep a point spread down and try to get the under? Or and is then, he then just... they didn't
1: get the two point and they were two point they got the push at the end, John.
2: Yeah, so it's, it's, it's hard to it's hard to gauge them. It's one of the bigger—actually, it, it, it is the biggest train wreck story in the NFL, huh? Just because they've been a consistent playoff team for a decade. And and then his—like you said, it goes back to the summer when he did the trade request. It wasn't a trade request, but it was. Put his name on it. No, you know, like Pete, Schefter. Pete just got a five-year extension last year. So we're like, are they going to pay him $55 million to go away?
1: I don't see Pete going out with Russ, the more I think about it. If Russ is out, fine. But that, is Pete going out like this? Three and wh- fucking wh- where's he gonna football, go though? No, I'm saying he's staying in Seattle. Are we sure Pete's getting fired? No, I'm not. Who's more likely to be back next year in your mind in Seattle? Pete or Russ?
2: Uh they're a little bit of just a hard thing to put a finger on. I, yeah. I, I don't really have a great feel. I just know it's really, really weird. And it's getting weirder by the game. <laughs> It feels a lot like college. Sometimes it happens like, oh, this Edo thing is just coming to an... Ed- it's just, and it just hits you fast. Unlike the Edo or college thing, sometimes there's like Fire Clay Helton. Like, Pete has so much equity, it's not going to happen like that. And in, with players, they have to get traded. They can't just tra- go to transfer portal. But it feels like it's like at the end of the road, but they have to play off the string here in December. And I I think we have... Here's my prediction. I think we have a bombshell Sunday morning Shefter slash rap sheet report in the next month, or Glazer, of just like, whoa. Like, Russell's already let it be known that it's him or Pete, and even then, it's no guarantee that he doesn't want out. Or Pete, Right. Pete is already cool with like, you can buy me out as long as I get another, you know, I don't know. I, I could just see we have a Sunday morning report on the Seattle situation. That's going to be an eye opener coming. And I would guess it happens before Christmas. Like, I don't see that happening. Like week 17, like it, that feels like week 14. That feels like, especially now that it's this bad, you could argue that feels like they're two losses away from being three and 10 and being like, they don't have their pick. I know they don't have their pick. And
1: there's not really a discussion about them. It's weird. I mean, there is, but there's not. It's bizarre. You know what I mean? Like about like what's up with them? Do you know everyone's trying to figure it out, but there's no,
2: I always push back on like, you know, even if you're going to trade Jamal Adams, you know, if you put him in the Khalil and Jalen, you only get picks back in the twenties for those guys. Cause like Jalen, even the year they missed the playoffs, they went nine and seven, both Khalil Mack picks, even though the bears weren't that good, they were never higher than like 18. It's like you drafted Jamal Adams six. How are you ever going to get that pick back? And Joe Douglas is going to be like, we got pick four. <laughs> you know? It's an upgrade. That is rare, wouldn't you say? Because the guy that's drafting pick four or a team that ever thinks they're going to be drafting that high is never usually cool making that trade. Well, and when you make the trade, from their perspective, when you trade them away, you're the Seahawks. You're like, yeah, we, we hate pick 28 anyway. That's what we're going to have, so who cares? What happened to the Dolphins last year, right? When they traded uh, Laramie Tunzel. Or, I guess, no, it happened to the Texans. They traded for Laramie Tunzel and then they sucked. Right. And then the Dolphins are like, whoa. And they didn't even draft Laramie Tunzel as high as they had to get to America because it was the fifth pick. But they actually got Laramie Tunzel at like 11 or 12 because of the, uh, the mask. That's one of the greater transactions. This might top that transaction. The difference is most people go like, yeah, Laramie Tunzel ain't Trent Williams, but he's a good left tackle. Feels like Jamal Adams is like, would he even start on most teams? <laughs> Feels like he's part of the problem, not the solution for them. His celebrations that's... after tackles when he's getting his ass kicked is just like, bro. Well, he's missing tackles. That's why I keep like, if that's
1: your thing, at least do that thing. Like put, put fear in the running back and the quarterback. Doesn't feel like anyone's afraid of him anymore.
2: He's an unreal like second tackler where he gets to destroy both guys. The guy tackling to begin with and the offensive player and then 33 comes in. Huge collision, and then he like pounds his chest or does like a flex move. That feels very Jamal. It's Adams like they were holding him up for you. Yeah, <laughs> I remember Cam Chancellor used to just dominate, right? All cells. <laughs> all their
1: guys did, right? Yeah, all their guys did. Uh, John, before we go any further, let's tell people about the daily tip presented by BetMGM. If you're into sports betting, you know how quickly the lines can change. And so when you got a lot riding on those odds, it pays to stay ahead of the curve. You know, we're all about it. We start looking at these lines early in the week. When you place your bets before you do, listen to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM for the best betting analysis and information.
2: Yeah, I mean, you guys are listening to two people that knows what it takes to create a good show. Chemistry, energy, to go with good takes. And this show has it. So check out the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. With featured guests and bookmakers, Odyssey Insiders, and Bet MGM experts, you always got a fresh take on the action, guy. Yeah,
1: you know, Michael Jenkins, Chelsea Messenger, all over it. So they'll break down the big takeaways. They'll make sure what you need, uh, that you know what you need to know to be smarter. And as much fun as it is to bet on the game, which is fun, it stops being fun if you're not winning. Trust us. We just had an eleven-game lock win streak. So you got to get the inside scoop, and you want to get it. With the daily tip presented by BetMGM,
2: we just bet on two teams that aren't even playing in a real game. Ready to bet with an edge? Uh, <laughs> tune into the daily tip presented by BetMGM. Listen weekdays 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern on Odyssey, Spotify, or your favorite podcast application.
1: The daily tip presented by BetMGM.
3: Prize Picks is America's number one fantasy sports app because it's the easiest and most exciting way to get in on the action. While you watch your favorite players in sports, you just pick more or less on two or more player stats, and then the fun is on. Prize Picks has something for every sports fan, from basketball to hockey to League of Legends and everything in between. It's really simple to play. You make your picks, submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. I'll do it at halftime of a basketball game. And I also have some season-long more or less picks on MLB homers, you may remember, I've got less on Otani Homers this year. We'll see. And at halftime of your next NBA blowout game, just jump on and go, ah, Steph Curry more than 11 points in the second half. It'll change the game for you. Download the Prize Picks app and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. ButcherBox.com slash ham pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you
2: Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.
1: Uh, this is from a, a Jennifer Lee Chan article at NBCSports.com/slash Bay Area, and it's a Kyle Shanahan quote. Uh, can you read it, or do you want me to read it to you? Uh, yeah, read it. Uh, what, this is what Kyle Shanahan said about Trey Lance, and the point of this article is Trey hasn't been playing, and Kyle says it's more a reflection of Kyle than it is about Trey. So here's the quote: "What's been hard on me that I didn't realize." is when you do bring in a different quarterback who gets a different set of plays, it's almost the first play that I've been seeing of a new defense. You see what fronts and coverages they're doing, but they do it completely, uh, but they are doing it completely to plan as a threat of the runner at that position. I don't know what to anticipate with it. So then I've got to stay in it for a while to get a feel for it. And then you go back and that feels kind of off for the last guy. So it kind of hurts my rhythm a little bit of understanding what a defense is getting. That's personally, as the year has gone on, what I've gotten a little more away from because I like to get a feel for what the defense is doing. So he's saying he switches quarterbacks, the defense does something different, and now that's it's, he, it takes him a play or a series to adjust to what the defense is doing because the defense is adjusting to his new quarterback.
2: I think it goes back to the game against Arizona. When he, and I was thinking about this when I was walking after you sent me, you sent me that little excerpt a lot earlier today, and Kyle Shanahan. If you saw, I, I Instagrammed it and tweeted it out. I was just watching the press conference after they uh, the last game against Vikings, and there was a there was a moment when he ran down the sideline, and on television it looked like he was going to call a timeout, and they asked him what he was doing because they ended up not calling a timeout, and he was saying, "Old school Kyle Shanahan swag." I was alerting the referee. To let him know we were running a double move, and the corner was gonna pull a pass, gonna pass interference. PI was inevitable. It actually turned out that I don't think the, the corner bit. So it shows you just because you're cocky doesn't mean it always works. I think that's the play that Debo turned into Durrell Rivas and made an incredible play. Because mm. uh, Jimmy, that, that when well, I'm gonna put that one on Jimmy, like bro, the look didn't actually work out. Bite the ball, but Kyle, Kyle's the star of this team. When they are rolling, he is in control. He is the chess master. He, the Queens gambit. he's the chick, right? He's, you know, Bobby Fisher. Like, he is really, I, I'm trying to think in the NFL now, like, LeFleur, like, Rodgers is kind of in control. McVay's kind of lost control of his offense. Andy has given a lot to Patrick, I think, in the way they've played. They've kind of met in the middle. Uh, and Patrick became such a star and so good that you can kind of see him. But Kyle truly, and he hasn't had that level of Mahomes yet. We'll see if Trey ever gets there. He's in full control. And I think with Trey Lance, he knows when he studies opponent with his offense, exactly what he's going to get. So like when he mentioned that he because he's seen this guy against a similar look, I'm sure that this guy will bite and grab. He has it in his mind. He's like when it comes to this offense, he truly is a genius. When I when I say this offense, I mean his Shanahan family run scheme to all the boot play action stuff. He knows it like the back of his head and he knows what they're going to do. I think that Trey Lance experience, because I was walking today, I bet Kyle did not feel comfortable asking things that Trey, even if he said he felt comfortable, that Kyle didn't feel he actually felt comfortable doing. So he gave him a very rudimentary kind of running, up, you know, that offense, right, was a lot of just Felt very just, I I don't even know the right word to use, but it was kind of basic. And with Jimmy, they just run all Kyle's shit. And I don't think Kyle feels he's ready to do that. So for Trey to play, that he doesn't, and this gets back to, like there's no developing going on in the season. Like they're not working on developing anything with Trey because that is not the way the NFL works. When the season starts, the coordinators, and that's what it turns out, you know, for this team, Kyle is. Like, he's the play caller. So he's coordinating against the opponent. I think a lot of times, like, when I worked in the NFL or even in college, once you get in the season, your coordinators are so dead set on the game. Well, your head coach, like, can do Like, I remember at Fresno State, Pat Hill could do some extra shit with some of the younger guys because he has coordinators doing that. Kyle can't just do extra shit with younger guys. He's calling the goddamn game. And then all week, going over the plays in practice. Like he can't just roam once certain parts of practice go. So he is admitting that he can't, for them to win right now, he can't fuck with Trey. And I've said this from the beginning, that he is not gonna be in the development mode because coaches are like that. They do not think like that, especially coordinating coaches. It's why McVay is obsessed with getting Von Miller, with getting Matt Stafford. no fucking development. They are not in developing. They're not into that because they're trying to win. And this is, it's a big off-season project. I'm cool with it as long as you're going to make the playoffs. And right now, they're headed there. You're going to make the playoffs. I can live with you basically just doing nothing with them this year because this is your decision and you clearly haven't just done anything with Trey. Now, in meetings and talking with, I'm not, I don't mean like they have no interaction, but just in terms of getting him ready to play in big time games, like they're not really doing they Can we just admit that they've kind of just scrapped them? Yeah. And this is why, right? They, re, here's another example. Kyle
1: was coach number 5 million and 76 to try and make a two quarterback system work. No one's really pulled it off yet. And won football games.
2: Right. And I give him credit that last preseason game. He like legitimately tried some kind of out outside of the box stuff. Right. For maybe the some NFL.
1: Taysom. Maybe that one's kind of worked, but.
2: But I mean Kyle was like running series and then he'd go back. Yeah. It was crazy. But, that's,
1: but I think in some ways the series thing, it's weird because uh I think I, that's what he's talking about more than just like a play for Trey. Right? Yeah. Well, I've heard it discussed from a quarterback's perspective before. I had a college coach tell me this this year, like the problem with trying two quarterbacks in the same game is that so much of what happens in a game is a result of what happened earlier in a game. Yeah. And so if your quarterback gets the first two series, if John gets the first two series and then Guy gets the next two series, well, when John comes back into the game, he hasn't seen the, what the defense has done on the last two series. So, yeah, we might be in the beginning of the third quarter now, but John hasn't seen anything the defense has adjusted to since the first quarter. And that it makes it really hard on your quarterbacks because everything they do is a result of taking in information, taking in information, adjusting, taking in information. And you don't – now you kind of stunt both guys in the game because they don't get the full picture. I think part of what Kyle is saying, and this is where we talk about when his offense is hitting, there's just such a rhythm to it, is that it takes – not only does it take him out of rhythm, but what he does on drive five is a result of what the defense did on drive four, which is a result of what Kyle did on drive three, which is a result of what the defense did on drive two, which is a result of what Kyle did on drive one. Right? It all kind of works in a rhythm. His offense really – when he's got it going, it really fits together really well. Yeah. Because like a pu- it's
2: a pu- it's a puzzle that he's. But it's about role.
1: knowing what they're going to do and how to exploit it. Well, you throw Trey in, and again, it just it just goes to show how hard it is, even for a guy who, regardless of what you think of Kyle, whether his win loss record is good enough, whatever. What can't be denied from an offensive play calling perspective, he's an elite coach. But we and we- even for him, he's saying. I underestimated how hard this was going to be to do both things.
2: We have to acknowledge, and he's admitting it. It is a, and we've all known this. And, you know, a lot of people are like, I don't know why, you know, back when we we played the game and we talked a lot about it, the good and the bad. It is a major, major offseason project to get. And, and ultimately, like these reports that Jimmy's going to get, they're all, all their chips are on tray. They have to figure it out, but it's, it's going to be difficult. Like, they make the playoffs this year. It just their team might be better next year, but the quarterback situation is going to be cuz they're they're going to have to do so many things, right? Orchestrate the offense around the kid. Work on his mechanics. <laughs> work on his understanding of football and then live through games. So it is going to be it's going to be a big undertaking. It really is. Which is cool, uh but that he ain't in it to lose. <laughs> so uh uh, and that's why I think he wanted to ring Jimmy's neck because he's like, I didn't work this hard to fucking dig us out of this hole and you throw the ball. And Kyle, watching this press conference. And Trey cover, can't save us. And Trey can't save us. Yeah, I have no backup plan, Jimmy. You know the guy that I traded all these picks for? He And you know this too, he ain't close to ready. No. And this is why, going back, not to Tudor on Horn, our initial reaction to everything we saw with Trey was... It was just such a raw, it it wasn't a sustainable thing. And in fairness, he had no clue what was going on. And I was thinking about today when I was walking after you sent me that thing of like, going back to Matt Ryan, and the complexity of this, how intense this offense is. And then factoring in how intense the head coach is. Because you and I have talked about Lincoln Riley. I, I think a lot of people at USC Anytime you say younger offensive coach, like, oh, Sean McVay, fun-loving, gunning it. You know, Cliff Kingsbury, good-looking, taking down 10s, throwing it. Lincoln Riley is, I think, closer to Saban's personality than people realize. He is kind of an old-school, younger, stiff. Now, because he's younger, he doesn't feel as stiff as maybe an older guy like a Brian Kelly or a Belichick or a Saban, but he is closer to their vein than he is to Sean McVay's personality. And the difference of Sean McVay and Kyle, like Sean McVay is not really screaming at people. Like it's pretty clear. You just watch him. Kyle fucking loses his shit. Kyle is wound tight. <laughs> like there, there is a reason. I'll tell you that, like, watching
1: McVay looked like he was pretty tight the other day. Watching.
2: But he can't you. scream it at, at Matt. Right.
1: Did he scream at off?
2: I mean, he could, but I'm just saying like Kyle will scream at probably anyone except Trent. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, or, you know, you don't really need to scream at Bosa, but like there's not like anyone Kyle's intimidated by by coaching him hard, and and when it comes to his offense, you know we saw it with Ayuk that that is not, and you've been on this like it, you got to acknowledge it worked, that is not a tactic that I would say most coaches under fifty would that are offensive coaches would would use correct on Ayuk, no, that was a very very like maybe if you were a
1: freshman in college. Maybe I'm t- I'm talking in the pros. Yeah, what but I'm saying even it. in college, you don't really because guys can just hop in the portal. You got to be careful.
2: That was an old school move by a 42 year old that I thought was crazy. And listen, I it's not my tactic. But again, I, I, I come from kind of open minded L.A., you know, football liberals in Pat Hill and Andy Reid. That's not they're either like you're suspended or you're playing. They don't they don't really they don't do that. And it goes back to Kyle's dad, Mike. Like He's just a hard ass. And Kyle's a hard ass. And I think this Trey thing, maybe I haven't even come to it. Like, that was an eye-opening comment. Even though we were all kind of thinking it, definitely you and I were back in that Arizona game. You agree it is going to be an undertaking this offseason, just with yeah. him and Trey. Like, it is a...
1: Some people I, didn't like when you called it a project. But it's clearly a project. Now, project doesn't mean... You know, projects have due dates. Lamar
2: was a project. Josh Allen was a project. Playing quarterback in the NFL for most guys is being, it's it's a project. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing, most most players are somewhat of projects. Like, not everyone's like, Justin Jefferson just hit the ground. I'm an all-pro immediately, right? I mean, this is, some guy you need to keep improving and getting better. Like, everyone, you know, adapts at quicker speeds. But the difference, though, and this goes back to, like, obviously quarterback is much more, Nuanced. There's just so much more going on than playing wide receiver or playing linebacker. But the, we're bringing up like Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, or Trent. Williams, any player at any position, Cleo Mack. He this kid just hasn't played. He just hasn't played very much. He's gonna go two years basically with a half a football against Seattle. If Jimmy stays healthy, the start against Arizona and the game against New Mexico Southern West East two years ago. Like that's <laughs> those are the two games he's start. He's had two starts and. Twenty-four months. That's yeah. pretty crazy.
1: It is. And was the third pick.
2: And then he's going to come to a team potentially off. You know, let's even if they lose in the first round. Like, it's not like the Niners are going to be like, yeah, we're not going to try to make the playoffs this year because they're not going to have any picks. They're going to be like, fuck, we're all in. Yep. I know. Jimmy survive? He might. I don't. I, I don't. Kyle, I don't think Kyle could deal with him. Uh, well, to me,
1: the way he survives is if Kyle actually would okay i no is the answer unless kyle thinks like trey is not if he thinks they made a mistake otherwise he's got to play he's got to go to trey yeah he has to uh niners are favored by three brady says so there is a line on that game now or has been i just
2: missed it you'd have to pay me to bet on that game <laughs> could you take the niners minus three at seattle i don't care if they're winless <laughs> Uh No, I am not Se- so good about that. Do you think Seattle's crowd's going to be a little weird, or do you think they'll just be normal loud? Uh, how could they not be a little weird? Like if you were a season ticket holder, would you... Has be it already to been weird? Sunday? I mean,
1: you said, you said it. They're not. They're under 500.
2: Yeah, but he, he got injured. He missed a couple games. He definitely missed one. I remember they played this. I think it was the Steelers on Sunday night at Seattle.
1: Uh, John, by the way, did you see this thing? I, I sent it to you the other day. Uh, it's been going around the internet. Matt Stafford... Is now nine and seventy against teams with a winning record. I don't I've been searching to find out. I mean, I'm not actually gonna go through all the games and see if that's true or not. That seems insane. But, you know, I did some digging and I did find this tweet from uh Dave Klug, Dave Kluge. Uh, and his source on the tweet over his career, Matt Stafford nine and seventy against team with a winning record, source a Reddit thread called twelve inch poops. So uh True or not? I don't know. Let's see. That,
2: that where to be. me that doesn't add up is like his teams in Detroit. I just pulled up their records. So he gets there and they go zero and sixteen. He shows up. They go two wins, six wins. He goes ten and six in two thousand eleven. Then he goes four and twelve. Could they beat that year? I mean, he played the Packers and the Vikings, and even the yeah. Bears were been soft. okay. But but starting in seventeen, he was. He was not on, like, three-win teams. No, so it does So in make 13, seven wins, 14, 11 wins, 15, seven, nine and seven, nine and seven. He had a lot of, like, 11 and nine-win seasons. They won games. That can't be right. Again, I'm not going to go do the math on it, but... I bet it's dramatically under 500. but it feels like it would be, like, 25 and 48 or something, right? They were yeah. underdogs in a lot of games. Well, they play, think about their division was, they were the worst team in the division. So, yeah. And you play just, you play multiple divisions every year. So you're playing winning teams. But he was, you you can't have that many nine. He had multiple double digit win seasons and three, and two, nine and seven seasons. Like that, that to me, you would get more than nine wins. You would think in the season to get to 11, you would think. What
1: was the stat I showed you or somebody, maybe you sent it to me the other day, first First quarterback with pick sixes in three straight games since Matt Schaub. But didn't Schaub's streak go a little longer than that? I think it did. I, th- I thought it went to like four.
2: I remember he had had like the streak going. They played the Niners on Sunday Night Football. It was one of those times Buck was, maybe it was, yeah, it was afternoon game. Buck was supposed to do a double dip. Like he was going to do the World Series in the, that Niners game. Remember Helicopter? Yeah. yeah, Matt Schaub had had three straight games. And then, then in that game, he opened the game with a pick six at Candlestick. That's when it ended. And then he ended up on the Raiders for $9 million, which was crazy, and then got beat out before week one. Remember that?
1: P-Shooter. I think that was the first time I heard you use P-Shooter.
2: I just remember going to practice and thinking, like, you can't start this guy.
1: Well, they, I, I thought also his next was to over, Derek. and then he played seven more I years. Know. <laughs> I know. Uh, are we opening the door for the Raiders again, John? kind of have to. Who they play this week. Uh, they play somebody, uh, where'd this game go? I was looking for the line on it, and so now I'm scrolling. Uh, it's not there. Raiders.
2: Oh, they play, uh, Del Rio. Football team.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, 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 uh, how we feel about Taylor Heineke right now? I'm getting a lot of Taylor Heineke on every Washington football team game, and it's... Yeah, it's,
2: it's a like, little too much. Like, his idol's four. If he kind of plays like four. Like, yeah, he's, he's a good player. He's probably... You know, he's going to be in the league for a while. I, I, I don't hate him. He, but you he's tell athletic. me, Ron
1: Rivera, it's not like, like they're looking for their next quarterback ASAP, right?
2: Well, and listen, as someone who mutes the game a lot, for whatever reason, Manningcast wasn't on. I had the volume on. I don't even know why I was as locked into that game, but I watched pretty intently the second half. When Rivera told Greasy and Riddick that the scouting staff gives him an updated breakdown every week, I think on Monday or Tuesday of the college quarterbacks. That tells you all you need to know, guy. You know, do you think uh, Andy Reid's getting updates from Veach on college quarterbacks or McDermott or Belichick anymore or even Kyle? Like, no, that's, or McVay. They don't have any picks, but that shows you everything you need to know. And I honestly, that's, that to me, I thought was a very cool and just like that's a good inside football nugget. Like they are trying. Yeah. But yeah. like you can, you can, football team is trying as hard as you can and it still might not be enough, right? You just might not get lucky. You might just draft the wrong guy. You might just be stuck with Heineke for three or four years. I don't think he's a bottom five quarterback. Obviously, Derek's better. I mean, Derek's coming back off. I think one of the most important games of his life, just given the thirty-eight million people watched, and he beat the Cowboys, and he made plays with kind of random. And their season
1: was—I thought their season was over. Their season was definitely in the balance from a record standpoint. It was not over. I just thought that they were toast based on the emotions of the year, like that too.
2: Waller's out though this week. Yeah, I think uh, maybe Raiders beat. uh, It might have been a couple weeks ago that Mark Davis has got got his hands in the personnel. You know, just, the run, it was, it was last, they were going to run the ball more. Yeah. I was just telling them, uh, we need to see that number 28 guy, get him in, which you've always said, if you were going to be an owner, you, you would have your hands and like, I don't it'd think be that's hard. Crazy. it'd be, it'd be but hard, but is that think. that crazy? Like to me, that's a, yeah. He
1: has I, no football experience,
2: but guy, when your team's losing, I, when you, whether you have, because you're right,
1: not, doesn't mean it's not kind of crazy. And again, I acknowledge if I were an owner, I'd have a hard time not being like, Hey, why don't we run on the rock coach? But it's kind of nuts.
2: Well, here's what I would say though and I will give Mark Davis a pass on this. And Gruden's texting him? Is Was coaches got fired. Like, you're not my offensive coordinator. You weren't the guy I hired to be my offensive coordinator, so I can tell you what to do. He used to, I was told by a very reliable source, pre-Gruden, uh, he would yell at coaches on the flight home. I mean, I think we, you and I have talked about that before, but you yeah. know that clearly stopped with Gruden. I could see that coming back to life a little bit with this group. <laughs>
3: Ew. Yikes. Yeah.
1: Uh, Pac-12 title game Friday night. We can talk about that later maybe. I'm fired up for it. Utah, Oregon. Um, Oregon. Utah favorite again, John. Again. Pretty big. I mean, can you beat Utah for the second time? Can you beat Oregon for the second time? Whittingham kind of planting his flag. And, like, everyone's always looking at Utah as if they're just – they're good for what they are. But they haven't been to a Rose Bowl yet. Beat Oregon twice in three weeks when Oregon looks like a top five, top four, top ten, whatever team. Go to L.A. Like I think play. I think for Oregon playing in the Rose Bowl this year is a big deal because that game's in Los Angeles and Lincoln, Lincoln. Riley is put up is building this fence right now around the city. And who knows? Maybe you play Ohio State in that game. Iowa, hopefully not. Iowa wouldn't really. Ohio State twice, could you beat them again? I Michigan, if they were to lose, but I think it'd be a big, it's a big deal for Oregon to lose twi- if they were to lose to Utah to lose twice in three weeks and not go to the Rose Bowl. That's well, a big deal.
2: How many people, was it like one of the highest rated games for the Pac-12? Five million. <laughs> Yeah, So five million people watched him lose 38-7. to 7. I, I thought that was a pretty glaring ass-whooping. You're allowed an ass-whooping in your lifetime as a coach, but given this scenario where you get to replay the team, you have the superior players in theory. Uh, You're a guy that everyone, you know, immediately starts throwing in names for, to replace Saban one day. LSU should be all over. Florida, Miami would have loved to have. You can't lose twice. Like you find a way to win this game. I think Utah beats them again. Do you expect Oregon to win this game?
1: I I think Utah wins as well.
2: (laughs) But, I mean. Is that a hard one for them to lose twice to Utah in basically a month? Yeah, I think it'd be hard. No, I think Utah is I think Utah's good. Um, That'd be pretty sweet for Utah to go to the Rose Bowl. That'd be a big deal for Kyle They Wayne haven't yet. done it.
1: Now, they've had great years. They went unbeaten and beat Nick Saban in the Sugar Bowl a few years ago when they were still in the Mountain West. But as a, as a Power Five member to win a conference championship and go to the Rose Bowl, be humongous. And I think from Oregon's standpoint, it's like if you beat Utah, you avenge that loss, you go to the Rose Bowl, you didn't go to the playoff, You had a hell of a year. Like, that's just a hell of a year.
2: The the one thing, and I'm not going to diminish his game against Saban, I do think teams that lose in the SEC championship games, that go to that bowl game that they don't want to go to, it's like we've seen it happen over and over. Again, That's. it sounds like I'm talking shit and I'm not because that team, the Boise teams, the team he has now is on a different level, right? I mean, could they beat Ohio State? Because he always has good defenses, right? They can yeah. always cover. Ohio State's best attribute is these They're deep receivers. Is deep
1: on the lines.
2: Would Ohio State take them seriously? That might be an That's advantage That's always for a
1: factor, yeah. I think, I think you're right about those games. I've always felt the way I've got Boise against Oklahoma. Although Boise people forget kicking Oklahoma's ass before if Oklahoma Utah, came back.
2: If Utah were to beat Oregon the and then beat Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, that would be the greatest season in program history, right?
1: Yeah, I see. I, that's where I, uh, even though it's not an unbeaten year, and I still think it would, to do it as a Power Five member and win your league and go to the Rose Bowl, I think that would be pretty.
2: Well, to beat Ohio State in the Rose Bowl would be the best win in program history. Because <laughs> even you would be like, well, okay, Alabama slept on you a little bit. No, it's the Rose Bowl. You're just not taking the Rose Bowl seriously. Everyone tries in the Rose Bowl, <laughs> right? Ohio State would not get a pass in the Rose Bowl. Now, Alave Wilson, are those guys a lock to play in the Rose Bowl? That would be my question. I don't know if they would be Smith
1: and Jigba. Like, there's three of them that are. That guy's a baller. Those guys are sweet.
2: And the quarterback, who everyone I remember the first couple weeks, like C.J. Stroud. This guy might not be good enough. And then, then like you just even against Michigan, you're like, God, this guy's good. You see the other kid just transferred. The guy that left high school early goes to Ohio State, but then he couldn't beat out C.J. Stroud. I think his name's Jack Miller. Then he goes in the portal. Is that the right kid, or am I talking about someone different?
1: I don't know. I didn't see you in the portal. I mean, they, remember they brought in that early enrollee high school kid from Texas, not him.
2: Oh, that's not Jack Miller.
1: No, the kid who just came in from Texas is uh, yeah, with the right. long blonde hair. I forget his name.
2: Who's from Texas? Jack Miller's from Arizona. I mean, he's from he born and raised in Arizona, but he's you're right. The kid from high school was bypassed his senior year somehow at credits. All of a sudden, tells Ohio State like August. Twelfth, I'm just coming. Training camp's already been started. Shows up, but I, I would assume when I saw Jack Miller went in the portal, how's that guy gonna play? CJ Stroud's a redshirt freshman. Like he ain't going anywhere. You're not beating out CJ Stroud this off season, right? I mean, I thought CJ Stroud in that Michigan Ohio State game, like the offense was not their problem. Their their offense was fine. It was they couldn't stop anybody. Honestly, Harbaugh it was different because Oregon ran like the it was it's kind of the Nevada offense right the, the kind of the zone read they 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 get the edge that way Harbaugh just like runs power at the edge <laughs> but you attack the edges with Ohio State and Oregon did it and Harbaugh did it and they have no they had no answer like they just couldn't stop them
1: yep and they that you know they fired their defensive coordinator after Oregon did it to him or and not I, fired, reassigned. He became their like linebacker coach. Yeah,
2: Harbaugh's running backs are Demokian. probably a. I guess C.J. Verdell was a stud too. C.J. Verdell and the two and guys the quarterback can run. Right,
1: Brown. Anthony Brown, the Oregon quarterback, can run. That's true.
2: So he was running. Yeah. So they were yeah, both. He running. did a lot of it. Where Harbaugh just hands it and they hit. And Troy
1: dies a good running back. I mean, but Verdell was that game's
2: dominant running back. Yeah. Well, did you see, I mean, Haskins had five touchdowns. What game? I mean. I mean, you know, one thing Harbaugh really talked about, I've watched a bunch of his press conferences after the game and just and just kind of reading, like, the Michigan vibe. I think they really felt good about, like, their core humans on that team. Like, they just had a vibe, like, we're fucking coming. And they had in their building, he had it printed out, beat Ohio State. Like, they didn't even hide from it. Like, that was the approach this offseason of, like, beat Ohio State. And his quote was, we're going to spend the next 365 days trying to beat Ohio State or die trying. <laughs> like they weren't even, they, they were not running from it, which a lot of coaches don't like to do. I, I give Jim credit. He put all of his chips in the middle of the table about yep. them. And he
1: did it. Well, it's like, you can't hide from it. You cannot hide from it at Michigan. It's what you're getting judged on. It's what you judge yourself on. When you were a player there 35 years ago, right? is that The
2: biggest, is that the biggest win in the history of his career? Uh,
1: I mean, I mean, beating Seattle, going to the Super Bowl.
2: He didn't beat Seattle to go to the Super
1: I'm Bowl. I'm sorry, beating Green Bay, going to the Super Bowl.
2: But he beat – didn't he beat Atlanta to go beating to the
1: Super Atlanta Bowl? with the – yeah, but I'm saying like they beat Green Bay and Atlanta, winning on the, ro- on the road. I thought the Green Bay game was pretty big. Where um, Kaepernick ran all over? Yeah. I.
2: <sighs> Stanford, 50-point uh, underdog?
1: Yeah, that's a significant game against USC.
2: There was a build-up to this game, though, unlike any of his NFL games. I The, the most build-up he ever had in the NFL game well, was really the Seattle NFC Championship game, and he lost it.
1: Yeah, you know, the Stanford game came out of nowhere. Yeah, The 49ers think they were good right away. There has been, I would say build-up's a good word, like pent-up disappointment and pain. Like, he's lost five in a row, John, to but Ohio State. Yeah, They'd lost eight in a row as a program. So from that standpoint,
2: like... Here's Jim Harbaugh. They don't even count that. I saw. I heard an Ohio State guys like we don't even count 2011 when we were on probation and Fickle was the interim. Oh, okay. So technically, they always like yeah, we won 15 straight. <laughs> that was their thing. <laughs> well, but Jim Harbaugh, who was like, if you identified
1: people with programs, coaches with programs, Harbaugh before he even got to Michigan was identified with Michigan. They've been talking about they they cut his pay last year, By in half.
2: I mean, like. He's on the hot seat at Michigan. I, I listen. It's hard. Every one of his major wins had different contexts. I would put that number one, given the reaction, given how important that program is. I mean, the, Seattle and the Niners were a big rivalry. It they don't hold a candle to Michigan, Ohio State. I mean, is that the number one rivalry in college football? Even bigger than Auburn, Alabama? Because Auburn's not Alabama. Never has been.
1: I for me, it's the biggest one. Like I'll
2: yeah. like. Yeah. So, I, I think it's the biggest win of. It. If you, you got to factor in all the variables. That's seeing guy. Did Sing. you see Clat tweeted it out the them singing Mr. Brightside all on the field? No. It was just, you know, it's just this is I awesome. I got to find that. There won't be a human being. I mean some of them might be wasted, but they'll be talking about that moment I was in the stadium when Jim Vito If especially if they went on to win the national championship. I think it's the biggest win of his career if he goes on to win the national championship. Because if he goes on to win the I national agree, championship... I agree with that. Because he hasn't won a championship yet. If he goes on to win the national championship and beats Georgia in the national championship, is the Ohio State win bigger than the Georgia win? If he beats them for the championship? Depends.
1: Like, to me, if it's a, if it's like 24-23, then no. You know? But it it probably will be more of a bragging point. Yeah, like, Michigan fans... You know what? That's not crazy. It's hard, because you can't have it. You need both of them. But I bet if you ask people what's your favorite memory, it would be the Ohio State game.
2: Here's what I would say. If they make it to the championship, and it's Georgia versus Michigan, I think the ticket for that will be astronomical. Because Where's the game this year? That's uh, a great question. I think both fan bases who haven't won national championships in forever, I mean, Georgia hasn't won since 80. Michigan hasn't won, I don't know, when's the last time they won, the 90s? Uh, I think those fan bases will both be like, we're gonna. Win. I, I'm gonna be there when we win the national championship, right? <laughs> Which I think Alabama they've got used to it. Clemson got Absolutely. in a weird way. To me, the fervor there because Georgia people would be like, we're winning it, and Michigan yep. would be like, we're a team of destiny. Yep. If I was a Michigan fan and I made it to the national championship, I would be selling myself. We're gonna be. We're gonna beat Georgia. This is Harbaugh's I, time.
1: I know what I'd be rooting for. Bad. I want Michigan to win. I just Harbaugh is Harbaugh at Michigan is so great for football.
2: Well, lock of the week. I already think we—if that plays out—and we can get Jim Harbaugh as an underdog. What would your guess be on that line? Would Michigan get five, or is that too many? Mm, uh, yeah, maybe four and a half. Who have they beaten
1: in the semis? They beat Alabama.
2: No, let's say Cincinnati and Ohio State or something. You know, that's well, who this team's beat. Like Georgia. I mean, beats right Cincinnati.
1: now, it's Georgia's one, Michigan's two, Alabama's three, Cincinnati's four.
2: Yeah, well, Georgia beats Alabama. They get KO'd. So. Oklahoma State, if they beat Baylor, probably goes to three, and then Cincinnati would go to four. So let's That'd say be a Georgia
1: game Oklahoma State.
2: You think it'd be? A, I think it'd be an easy game. You think Oklahoma not, State would be easy? Not easy, but I mean, I think Harbaugh'd be a touchdown favorite It'll, in that game. Oh uh, yeah, Oklahoma State's just good on defense. Yeah, I mean, they're. Would you rather play Cincinnati or Oklahoma State? Uh, probably Cincinnati. It's hard. I mean, who knows? That's why it's actually going to be kind of fascinating. Because be like, could either of these teams? U- upset because they're both going to be underdogs. Harbaugh Gundy for a week talking shit. <laughs> Pictures of those two guys like a week before at the bowl game. You know,
1: <laughs> just Jim just acting aloof constantly. It's so good. Yeah, it's Jim's good interviews are just ah uh,
2: well uh, I'm going to go somewhere with
1: my team. Like Jenny's not even done with her last question.
2: Juwan, uh, you see Juwan Howard trying to talk to him. Jim just doesn't have anything to say back.
1: <laughs> his, his face is unbelievable. His face. It's just hilarious sometimes. Oh, so
2: you're right. They just came out with it, huh?
1: Yeah, It's Tuesday night. Yeah, Max says uh, Max on the stream says Harbaugh needs to not blow it against Iowa first.
2: Pretty big moment right now for Jim's having a good couple week stretch. You got to win this game though. I'm a little nervous.
1: Saturday's going to be a good.
2: That, that the Big Ten championships always. That's a sneaky. Honestly, it's my favorite Saturday championship. Typically.
1: I just wish they didn't play it indoors. Other than that, it's perfect.
2: But but the SEC championships indoors too.
1: I know, but it feels more the Big Ten feels like it should be played on grass in oh, the no. snow.
2: Where do you play Lambo? at Northwestern? No, just I'd put just it at, Big Ten title Lambe? game. No, I'd put it at Northwestern every year. You, you have to admit at Lambo, Big Ten Lambeau championship would be, would be pretty sick. cool. Lambo would be sweet. <laughs> you go, you go. Uh, what's uh, Nagy's home stadium? Uh, Hallis Hall. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you can play it there. That'd be cool. Yeah.
1: All right. Did you empty the the tank today? Empty the tank. Put it all. You can't ever play a perfect game, but you can play with perfect effort. Yeah. Soldier Field. Soldier Field. Yeah, that's what it's called. (laughs) All right, y'all. Thanks, everybody, for hanging. Later.